Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to the penny bloom podcast this is winter is blooming our game of thrones rewatch podcast here on the show and today we are covering the season three finale season three episode 10 titled misa written by dnd david benioff and db weiss directed by david nutter the Nutman. i am colton robertson and i am joined by joseph george what's up homie Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And we're capping off another season. Three down, five to go. We're getting close to that uh, mathematical halfway point. You know, I know it's eight. I know it's eight Mm. seasons. But uh, sometime during the next season, we're going to reach that actual halfway point uh, where we'll, we'll cross the threshold and we'll be halfway done. Uh, and we're getting we're getting there. We're getting there. Not quite, but three seasons down, yeah. man. I can't. We've been we've been fucking rolling on this thing. Huh? Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's like. Yeah, I guess we look back on it and it has been quite some time. First you know, episode like, dropped like, on Halloween of twenty twenty two. So. So, I mean, it the pacing, just taking it week by week, just having an episode of Thrones is so nice. And this season or this episode, this finale, I was really, for some reason, I was really putting myself in the mind of, like, when I was watching this for the first time, or what someone would be thinking when they're watching this for the first time. And for some reason, I'm I'm always, whenever I watch the show, I'm always like, yeah, the White Walkers really didn't seem that much of a threat, you know, until, like, the very end when they came up and, right. and everything, but, like, they're really beefing them up. Like, after, like, now that I'm watching the show and paying attention, they're, like, actually making them a threat the whole time but it's just this background mysterious you know mysterious Mm. thing that i guess i don't know didn't notice before because it was just a background thing well and there's this uh there's this interesting element where i I remember a big complaint about the season eight uh whole deal and again this is a rewatch podcast for anyone joining us randomly we talk about the way these things affect far down the line so we have spoilers for the whole show that's just how good this show is is that in season three we can talk about how it affects the finale and the last season of the show it's kind of insane uh but so spoilers ahead for future future seasons if you have not watched uh this is probably not the podcast for you but we love you thanks for joining us for a second um when it comes to that scene with like Melisandre and Stannis and Davos after yes. Davos delivers that letter and Melisandre is like, uh, this war means nothing. The real mm-hmm. war is to the north. Uh, what's really, really fascinating about the reception of the way the Night King and everything was ended was that it was too quick. You know, it was this mm-hmm. is how this was hyped up. 
That's yeah. the real war. That is mm-hmm. the threat we need to be worried about. And then yeah. that's also the threat that gets dealt with halfway through the final season, and we're just we're just moving on after that. The whole but, of the Night's Watch and their whole message is that this is the whole war. This is what we all have to be worried about. If we're not, they'll storm through us and kill us all like it's nothing. That's exactly what they did. Everyone ignored them until the very last possible minute, and then they did exactly what they said they were going to do yeah. until Arya does the nice little bop, bop, bop. But, like, I don't know. It's We're complaining about the exact thing that they said was going to happen the whole time. So right. it's like, I don't know. I, I like it even more that they're not really shown as much, but that when they came in, it was bam, you know, like they are here now and like they are like, I don't think it's done fast at all now. Um, yeah, no, I, for one, I've never had any beef with the way the White Walker threat is dealt with in the long term. You know, I there is one complaint that I can understand. And it's that it took one battle. You know, there was one battle Mm -hmm. all out, your army versus ours, that's it. And it's like, yeah, but you got to think about this. If they don't, if the living don't win there, then the entire kingdom is fucked. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's. Yeah, like, they lose there. That, everyone that's that's there joins that army and they keep marching south. Yeah, no, like, so that's my thing, is that, like, it ended the way it had to end, you know? That's the thing, is that they hyped up this massive threat. I don't know what y'all expected to happen, but they need, like, they weren't going to end the show with the fucking Night King having destroyed the entire island of Westeros and just gone, you know what? That's a good ending enough for me, man. Let the credits roll. Yeah, no words at all. Just an, a, nope. a silent villain that killed everyone. No, nope. yeah, no. Like even like Sam, like his storyline here, like where he like sending the ravens to let everyone know. Like I mean, it was really like for a season finale. I'm like, oh fuck. Like we haven't, we've only seen them a couple times. But like, yeah, I'm actually like, I'm worried about them now during this mm. watch. You know, like right now, like already, and like the bells start ringing, and Davos is like seal the bar the door you know like oh fuck it could be happening now you know like sort of thing and like obviously we know that we have a lot more time until we get there but they like they don't that's just in the back of their heads the entire fucking time now (laughs) uh nah man this is a this was a great fucking episode uh david nutter went crazy on the direction here and I really, really fucked with it. But uh, let's take it location by location. We have mm-hmm. got what looks to be six locations, seven locations, eight locations, eight seven, locations. Eight. Dang. Yeah, we really did check in with every. I mean, I guess it's a finale. It's a we finale. We check you know? in with everyone, see where we're going. Make up for last show. week where we were focused on two or three locations and mm-hmm. kind of that's it. But uh, yeah, we'll kick this one off at the Twins. Where uh, post red wedding, the Freys are doing their fucking thing. You know, they're they're going all out. They're celebrating. They're they're torching camps. They're they're slaughtering innocents. Uh, there's there's a. It's not funny um, because it's it's funny because it's a show. It would not be funny if it was real. Um, okay. There's all this carnage happening, right? Mm-hmm. All this terror, like swords flying, shit burning. And then there's like one guy who's like 
hand hanging someone? Did you notice that? That's yeah, that is true. Yeah, somebody strung like had to tie this dude's neck up, throw the rope over the fucking tree branch, and just hold him there for a while. And that's all that guy did for a little bit, which is hilarious in the context of a battle. You know what I'm saying? So like uh, that was the mo- like that's just very. That's how you got the jump on that guy. You yeah. couldn't figure out anything else. Hey, this is. I just all I know from all of this stuff is that I'm so glad I'm living in today's world mm-hmm. and not during a time where I could get stabbed with a sword, yeah, or just beheaded or like any of these things. Um, yeah, man. Uh, that nah, fuck no, fuck no. And like, one of the more gruesome and heart wrenching sights occurs at this point. Uh, whenever the Frey soldiers come out chanting, uh, you know, uh, the king in the north, the king in the north. Here he comes, the king in the north, and his whole entire neck. You know, like, that's kind of something that stuck out to me, too. They didn't just behead this guy. They had to get rid of his entire neck so that they can make this joke look good, which is another thing that in real life is terrible, but in the context of the show is kind of fucking funny. Um, They were like, no, no, like, cut a little deeper there, you know? Get 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 in there, really get down there. Uh fucking disturbing but uh if anything this kind of makes him look way more badass even in death like i don't really under like i would understand if they just like strung him up and then had him you know up there but like they were kind of like writing him out and like the king i guess they were mocking they're mocking him that's that's the thing is that like it's a real salt in the wound, piss on your grave That's sort of true. thing. Yeah. They desecrated his body after death because yeah. he didn't die via beheading. This man mm-hmm. was dead, and then they decided to chop off his head. Um, uh, so yeah. there's just there's just levels to the disturbing nature of what happened here. Um, and unfortunately, Arya witnesses the whole thing, uh, riding at the hound's back. The hound, quick thinking here, grabs one of the fray men's banners. And rides on out with it because he knows the fray men won't attack if that's the case. Um, yeah, Smart man, in. this one fucking sucked. This one yeah. was. I remember the first time I watched this. You know, after the red wedding, you don't just stop watching. <clears throat> you go, well, goddamn, I need to get that out of my system. What's next? And then they start the episode with this, and you go, son of a fucking bitch, no goddamn it's way. Salt in the wound. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, it's just terrible. But it it is. Like, the actual kind of importance of it, I feel, is that Arya was there. Mm. She saw this. Like, yes. if she wasn't motivated before. You now know, she like, is. Oh, yeah. Um, watch out. Yeah, she might not Arya have witnessed Stark. the murder of her family, but now she knows full well what happened and what they were willing to do after it happened. And that's just a level of uh, disdain she will not lose any time <laughs> soon. But... uh a little bit later, after everything settled down and they're cleansing the floors and everything. In the great hall of the castle, in the following morning, as servants clean it up, Lords Walder Frey and Roose Bolton, newly uh, deemed Lord of the Riverlands and Warden of the North, respectively, gloat over their victory and rewards for the treachery they've committed. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not uh, not looking good. And I did hate Roose Bolton, you know, but he was actually, he even was kind of annoyed with Walter Frey here. 
you know, like, he was like, all right, dude, yeah, like, I don't know, what, like, Walter Frey's just bragging, you know, and he's like, oh, look what I did, I'm so old, no one thought of me, but look what I did. The whole conversation where he's like, uh, uh, and I'm sure you're quite happy for all this to have gone this way, and he's like, yeah, you know, he ignored my advice at every single turn, uh, had he not been so arrogant, which is ironic. Rob was notably not arrogant. He was confident yeah. in his skills as a battle commander because he never lost. Which means he didn't need to take the advice of anybody else because he kept winning. He never lost until he got killed at a fucking wedding. Uh, Roos's arrogance is what killed Rob. You know, it was yeah. because he was like, I'm the one who's right. I need to make something happen about this. So the irony of going, uh, his arrogance, you know, it's your fucking arrogance, dickhead. Mm. Uh, but, and then like Lord Walter Fragon calling himself the young wolf noted earlier in the show, he doesn't like being called king. He's not even a big fan of the nickname, the young wolf. He doesn't call himself that. He's a legend. People call him that. And then, uh, the response from Roos there, young forever. Forever young. I was the like, history uh, books yeah. are written by the victors. This yep. is this is why, like, when House of the Dragon was coming out, and everyone was like, "Oh, this doesn't line up with Game of Thrones or whatever." But it's like, maybe that's the point: is that mm. a lot of this stuff is lost in translation, or just lost because the people who would write well about themselves are dead. You know, all the Starks that would say something good about this and actually give their side of the story all of them got killed and the whole army was was wiped out here as well pretty much so it's it makes sense it's sad um but man like the lannister like i don't like it the whole this episode had an overarching like family aspect you know just kind of an uh, an uh Focusing on family, and especially with, like, Brent, like, you, I think you pointed it out a couple episodes ago, but it was, like, the one rule that the gods don't fuck with is don't kill some, you know, like, don't kill someone in their own house or something like that, what is, or, um... Yeah, like, they didn't, they didn't hate him for, the gods didn't smite him for murder or killing someone's son. He killed them for killing a guest under your own roof. That's right. You know, yeah. uh, and that's the one. That's one thing the gods can never forgive. And I'm just, like, forgive. that's that's like the one thing I'm just like thinking of the whole time. You know, all mm. like Walter Frey. He's annoying and like, oh my fuck, it's just annoying to watch him on screen. But it's so nice just to know what does happen to him mm. eventually. But oh, I don't yeah. know. What, I don't it's know nice what to know the, what happens uh, to both these fucks. Um, that's interesting. Now thinking about that, though, like what happens to Arya? You know, she did that, though. You know, justified completely, and I like her doing so. She's the god's but... justice in that scenario. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. You know, because Walder's the one who killed the people okay. under the roof. You're right, and then. She's the one who commits the god's justice by baking the sons into a pie and turning him into a rat forever. Figuratively, he just dies. Um, okay. I had the same thought, though, while I was watching. I was true. like, what does she... that mean for Arya? And then I had to walk through it, and it's because she she is the justice of, the, I mean, the faceless yeah. god at that point. Wait, whichever, that's who she's yeah. doing it as. You know, like a... Okay, yeah. No, 100%. 
Okay. I mean, I guess it's still probably. Well, I'm sure the gods aren't like, yeah, Arya, go for it, babe. You want to think about it. It's like Walder Frey, he's already sentenced. You know, his he already made his decision. He was already dead. It just had to happen. Yeah, he already cashed his point. check. But interesting that it did happen kind of in the same way. Um, yeah. No, I love that. I love that little detail. Well, and like the implication that Bran was once told this story, which means Arya was probably once told this story, mm-hmm. and Theron knew exactly what she wanted to do to this motherfucker for doing that. Right you know away. what I'm saying? Yeah, she was like, what? what's the worst thing I could do to this guy? You know, yeah. what, oh, what are all those crazy stories old Nan used to tell me? Like, let's yeah. do one of those. Let me bake his kids into a pie. How's that? <laughs> uh, but, uh, any hoozle, Bolton expresses his concern that uh, the Blackfish escaped the massacre. But Walter's like, ah, he's an old man with no allies. It's going to be fucking, it's nothing. It's fucking fine. I have, I have Tywin Lannister on my back. And, uh. Don't doubt the Blackfish. I for, I'm not going to lie. I forgot what he even does or how he comes back. Um, I but... don't know if he's in more than another episode. Um, I think he only shows up one more time, maybe two. Um, and he doesn't, I mean, like, it's not like he has a great appearance whenever he comes back, but it's not like it's, hmm. it's not long lived. Um, see, regardless, uh, I'm glad he took makes... that piss though, regardless. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, this was actually where we got the reveal. I'd forgotten how this happens. The reveal that Ramsey is Ramsey, mm, mm-hmm. that this is Roos's son, because I'd forgotten. We were questioning a couple weeks ago whenever Rob yeah. was like, uh, the the North is held by the Ironborn. I forgot Theon killed all the fucking ravens. There was no way to report back what happened at at Winterfell. Oh. That's he did not know because there was no word. Uh this was oh, a reveal man. as to what happened to Winterfell. It was a reveal of as uh what happened with Ramsay and what happened to the Ironborn. And we learned that all the Ironborn did not get to return to the Iron Islands. Instead they were all flayed dead by Ramsay and his men. And, uh, yeah, that, that fade, he's like, my son, uh, Ramsey, he, he holds the dread fort and, uh, and then it fades to him eating a pork sausage, which is impeccable, you know, him saying, uh, but Ramsey, you know, he has his own way of doing things. That's the thing. If they did not go immediately to Ramsey afterwards, like that's what makes these reveals big and like happen and like actually matter because like i swear if they didn't show go to that i probably would have just like glossed over it no yeah you know like oh ramsey bolton okay that's some guy that's you know whatever like okay i remember watching that the first time and going oh you know like not even like a oh shit no fucking way it was just kind of like a yeah like oh of course you know uh but uh yeah no i this whole scene, it's only one scene, mm-hmm. uh, but it was quite easy to determine that my favorite performance from this episode was going to be either Ewan Rion as Ramsey or Alfie Allen as Theon Greyjoy. They both do mm-hmm. fantastic in the scene, but there was also no chance I was going to pick it as my favorite scene, uh, simply because it's a bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah, um, never... Never a joy to watch the, you know, never, it's always just kind of like, ah, now we got to see what's happening to but Reek now. I thought you and Rion plays Ramsey just fucking outstandingly. He's who I went with. 
ultimately. Uh, this playful, sadistic fuck that he's playing here. The way he, like, looks down, like, whenever he's, like, uh, he, like, looks down at his meal and he looks at Theon and he's like, no, I wouldn't. So what do you think of me? Some sort of savage? You know, like, uh, I loved that. I loved that. And uh, he taunts him and he's like, I'm sorry. My mother told me never to poke fun at cripples. But my father taught me to aim for the head. You know, like, that's, uh, like, the dude is so good at this. And uh, I ultimately had to go with him for the performance just because oh. this was... This is also where Reek is born. Um, I think, like, in real life. I, you know? That's why I almost went with Alfie Allen. Because, holy fucking shit. Like, that's got it. Okay, it's either that you're just a really good actor and that you can just turn that switch on and just go for that. But like, What place do you have to be going to? That's what really? I'm saying, is like... You are saying horror, like, it's just like, you're trying your best to actually be as mean as possible. Like, I mean, it is, like, incredibly horrid. Like, the, I don't know, it's just insane to actually do that. Oh, and there's this choice here by Alfie Allen that I almost, I almost had to go with him, but the way Bond's just, it was like, oh man, like, Alfie Allen kept bringing it, and then he would keep one-upping it, like, yeah. responding the best way he possibly could have and but there was that part where he was like a you stink you reek and he goes reek that's a good name for you what's your name and he goes theon Greyjoy, and he hits him and then he goes what's your name theon Greyjoy, and he hits him and he goes what's your name and alfie allen's head is leaned back and just one word he goes please and it's the best delivery in this entire episode, because it's not just please don't hit me again. It's please don't make me go there. Yeah, I would rather be dead than you turn me into someone else, man. He already told you know? him, please kill me before yeah. this whole interaction even started. Right. Like he was already yeah, and that's not like, like and it, now it's not even that. It's just please just fucking yeah, just stop. Really? It, like it's seriously like, yeah, like. Oh, dude, it's impeccable acting, man. Alfie Allen did fantastic. But then it's the way that, like, Ramsey, like, it's almost, like, sexual for him. The way he's, yeah. like, up in his face and, like, st like oh, yeah. stroking his chest and his neck and stuff. And he's, like... It's, uh, he knows he's fully protected. He can do mm -hmm. anything he wants. Literally, like, anything. Like, mm. that's the whole... Like, I don't know. Is the... I was trying to think of, like, what the point... Of keeping him. Is it just because he is Theon Greyjoy? Maybe he comes around at some point to be valuable, so they might as well just keep him in a dungeon rather than kill him? You know, is that like... Is well, that it? You know, or is it just... Hmm? They send or that it... message to the Iron Islands, like, uh, you know, send us... Like, they're ransoming him, essentially. That's they're like, true. until yeah. you... Until you pay me, we're gonna keep sending you little pieces. But that's the thing, is that, like, I don't know. They just I don't also fully... like it. Like oh, they just yeah. want one hundred percent. And it's um, like we can either get gold and ransom out of you, but if not, then I can just have my bastard son do his thing. You know, let yeah, let exactly. him let him not just go out into the real world and keep mm -hmm. him in there. You know. So well, there's the fact now too that while the war with Rob Stark is over, Balon is still in open rebellion against the throne, which the Boltons are now. 
a part of with the Lannisters, you know, since they've, mm-hmm. they've taken the, the role as warden of the North and mm-hmm. the seat of the North. Now it is their job to fight the Iron Islands too, because so ah. this is a little, little part, like it, it might've, I don't okay. think that's how it was planned, but it's mm-hmm. just happened like that now. And they can, they can ransom him off. I and think it's part of, it's like, like bend the knee, send us hmm. gold, do your thing and everything will be fine. We'll send your son back. Uh, but regardless, that scene was too damn good for me not to go with one of them as my favorite performance, and it ultimately went to Ramsey for me, just because he uh he does fucking good in that one. Uh, that like twisted little smile that he does is I can picture it perfectly in my oh head. yeah yeah no like a hundred percent a hundred percent nightmare feel almost you know yeah like... right <laughs> almost like Grinch but without all the prosthetics yeah, just you know huge... like it's... yep just. I don't want to be anywhere near this. Even, I don't know. Like, Joffrey, it's a lot of, like, death threat. You know, just, like, hate in real life. Like, the actual actor and stuff. Mm. Um, But, like, this is, I don't know. Like, I could go around whoever plays Joffrey. He's just just playing a kid dick, whatever. I'd feel kind of a little scared going (laughs) around. uh, Ewan Rion? Ewan. Ewan. Wow. Interesting, that is. That's how I would pronounce it. I don't know that that's the case. Mm. Um... It's a cool name, though, regardless. Ewan? Ewan? Yeah. It looks like his, his... Honestly, his real name is more Game of Thrones than his Game of Thrones name. Right, right. Name. I had the same but, thought. Uh... <laughs> no, but uh, th- that that was something I was also considering last night, is, like, who I like less as a character. Ramsay mm-hmm. or Joffrey. And the conclusion I actually did come to is Joffrey. I, I, I like Joffrey less because he is a... I don't like either of them. These are my two least favorite characters in Game of Thrones. But uh they're, they're both up there. Um Joffrey's this petulant piece of shit child who is basically just trying to see what he can get away with. Mm-hmm. He kind of happens upon the fucked up shit he does. He's like, "Oh, let's see if I can do this. Let's see if I can do that. Oh, I'm just going to keep digging deeper into this hole. Oh, I can get away with whatever I want." Ramsey is the most calculated piece of shit motherfucker there is. He knows exactly what fucked up shit he wants to do. He plans on doing it and he knows exactly how he's going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and that's what makes it like it makes the scenes with Ramsey more enjoyable to watch because it's a di- like it's a difference in the way they can perform it, you know? Like Joffrey is a petulant little child who's just kind of trying to see what he can get away with. And the uh, Jack Gleason, I think is his name, plays mm-hmm. it incredibly. Mm-hmm. And then Ewan Rion plays this calculated, fucked up mind so, so impeccably. So, like, the, I ultimately go with Ramsey over Joffrey in terms of uh, preference for who I'd like to see on screen. Uh-huh. Uh, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I hate both of them. They both fucking suck. They do suck. Yeah, that is for sure. But a first, a first in performance. Not. I'll, I'll have another first in performance for Ooh. the whole show this episode as well. Wonderful, wonderful. But we're gonna head to the Iron Islands along with uh, Theon's favorite toy in a box, where uh, Balon Greyjoy reads a message from Lord Bolton's bastard, while his daughter Yara cautiously opens a box crudely carved with the Greyjoy Kraken. And as uh, as Ramsey's letter explains, the box contains Theon's favorite toy. He wasn't very happy when I took it away from him. It says that the Ironborn have until the full moon to withdraw from the north 
or receive more bits and pieces of Theon. In addition, any remaining Ironborn will be flayed alive, just as Ramsay flayed alive Theon's 20 Ironborn followers at Winterfell after they surrendered. It was, in fact, Ramsay Snow and his soldiers from House Bolton who burned Winterfell to the ground. He simply sent false reports to his father to deliver to Robb Stark, which claimed that the Ironborn were responsible. Wait, so it was just Ramsay himself that... No, and his men. Okay. So they... He led led a faction of soldiers from the Dreadfort, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. I guess... Because I was trying to figure out if, like, Roos actually knew all along, was keeping information from Rob as well, because he knew he'd eventually, like, he's not listening to me, let me, you know, and then set this whole, you know, betrayal up sort of thing. I didn't oh, know. Well, that's what's crazy, is that this means that the Boltons were were going to betray the Starks before they had the Lannisters on their side. Mm-hmm. They were going to figure out a way wow. to get the North out from under Stark rule. Um and then they just had the perfect little caveat where they're like, oh, shit, now we've got the king backing us. We should be able to do this nice and easy. Um, Man. But uh, Balon is a little matter. bit... Uh, like, that's the crazy thing. All of this stuff, like all these intricate details, it's fun for the show, and it, it's what makes the whoa. show amazing. And then it's just like, well, I guess What's all... you know, Kind of crazy. You know, Winterfell really only belongs to the Starks for the first season and a half and the last season. Because Theon came and took it during season two. Oh, there must be a Stark in Winterfell. That's like the Boltons. The Boltons hold it until the end of season six, and then that's when the Starks take it back. So they have it for basically three and a half seasons out of eight seasons. Yeah, and that, I don't know, maybe that rule of there there must always be a Stark in Winterfell's got a little more, I don't yeah, know. man. That's, that's, not good stuff happens whenever the Starks didn't have Winterfell. You know, that's when no, it all went not. to shit, when Ned left. Yep. Um, shit Ned, got fucked. That one man, you know. this He changed the game for everyone. Ah, uh, well, it was probably really King Rob, though, you know, I mean, that. If he didn't go through that whole rebellion, didn't take Ned with him, he wouldn't have been handed the, you know, all the stuff and everything like that. But Yeah, King Robert Baratheon, you know, that's a little bit of a... But then the Targaryens would still reign, and the Mad King would have burnt the King's Landing to the ground, and, you know, the things that end up happening would have happened a lot sooner. You oh, know? Robert, yeah. Fair. That's, it's, it, which, which pile of shit would you rather want? You yeah. know? I would rather have Robert on the throne instead of Eris, you know? This like it's true. a this is just, true. just how I feel. But uh, regardless, in response to this letter and the appendage that came with it, Balon is not uh, incredibly excited one way or another as to what he's going to do about the situation. You know, mm. uh, he defied his orders and yours common sense when he stayed at Winterfell. And furthermore, he cannot further the Greyjoy line as the content of the box proves. Uh, he's not even my son anymore. Mm. Uh, that's why Yara, Yara will get my line here. Okay, the this was hard. He, this was the way hard. He delivered it, and the mon, the, the whole everything about this was badass. Not just her delivery, but everything about it. You know, I you think, go ahead. You can read it if you'd like. 
She says, I've made, after she says she's made her decision, she says, I'm going to pick the fastest ship in our fleet. I'm going to choose the 50 best killers on the Iron Islands. I'm going to sail up the narrow sea all the way to the weeping water. I'm going to march on the dread fort. I'm going to find my little brother and I'm going to bring him home. And I was just like, holy shit, like what a side story that this is on the grander Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, this is epic. But I'm like, well, oh, it's I'm like a real fucking shame is how it goes. And I don't remember. I don't really. Oh, you don't remember that? Yeah, there's a lot of. I don't know. There's like this I one. This one hurts. It's, it's the reason I couldn't go. It was the the reason this uh, is because didn't get anything focus, from right? me is because I I remember exactly how it goes and it takes the steam all the way out of it. Um. But I mean, like, it doesn't make the moment any less not badass, you know. Like, I remember watching this for the first time, being like, "Fucking Yara Greyjoy, homie! She mm-hmm. is so fucking cool." She was actually runner-up for my favorite character of this episode, and mm-hmm. uh, that's why I sl- I slid her the line is because she <laughs> couldn't quite make it to character, but that she needed the nod for for this because this was very sick. Just being like, "All right, Dad, you're obviously just pretty." Just you're not making a whole lot of sense at all whatsoever. He's still your son. I can whatever if you get over it. Whatever. I'm gonna go do my own thing though, and that's that's the whole Iron Island things too. You know, they just do what they want. It's not even that. It's like and and all these people are like following her too. That they're mm-hmm. like already good to go just because it's Yara. Like I don't know. I was just like I was getting hyped up with her. Um, and yeah, I guess I don't remember how it goes, but ignorance is bliss right now. I'll say um, that I don't know. Um, so, but no, yeah. it's not. It's nothing. Ah, no, we'll get there. But uh, regardless, that was a super badass scene, and it does conclude the story on the Iron Islands. Hmm. Thereafter, we head to the Riverlands, wherein Arya Stark and the Hound ride away from the outskirts of the Twins, where they pass a small group of Freymen, one of whom is bragging about being the one who cut off Grey Wind's head and sewed it on to Rob Stark's body. Um, you know, it was pretty pretty nasty description here. He says a bunch of skin fell off and it was just like, oh, brutal. Um, but they're laughing all the while. They're having a good time. And Arya simply cannot have that. Uh, she approaches and sweetly asks, you mind if I warm myself by the fire? And uh, they're like, fuck off. She's like, but I'm hungry. She's like, and they're like, does fuck off mean something different where you're from? What do you, what do you expect from us? And she goes, I'll have money. Um, the fuck kind of coin is this? Uh, yeah, the little bravosi coin. And I was like, uh, okay, okay. Uh, and, uh, the fray men investigate, you know, he, he, she drops the coin and he goes to pick it up. And when he does so, she goes ahead and stabs him in the neck numerous times and the back. And I'm assuming the side and the arm and the head and all sorts of places. She stabs this guy a lot of times. Deservedly so. We got another body on the kill list here. I'd say, yeah, this is technically the second kill um, from Arya. You know, we had the little first man baker's boy or what or the what was the actual guy? little or no, it was just a random kind of. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fucking stable boy. That's right. Yeah, coming up trying to take her stuff or something. Yeah, she was like, "Hey, he." I mean, he kind of like walked into it though. Yeah, and she like, was like, "Oh, oh shit!" I just like, got oh. this guy. 
fuck, I didn't even really mean to do that. Kind of didn't even really know it would kill you. I mean, obviously I knew, but... It, but like, but yeah, this, shit, man. I didn't realize how sharp this thing was for real. Uh, this was full on, I'm going to take the hound's knife. This guy's talking shit on my family. I'm going to kill him with every ounce of energy I mm-hmm. got. Um, yep. So yeah, no, this is an official. We have two, but I feel uh, like the first one. And, and uh, this is where the, the other first performance... Um, we'll come in with Maisie Williams here. Uh, finally, she that man. finally getting one. Um, she was and, top three for me. It was her, Alfie Allen, and Ewan Rion. And I think this, I really like giving it here at the end of the season too, because I think this season was really fun to watch her, but every episode she couldn't really get the, the performance nod for her own just because there's so many other people and so many other scenes that people have way more runtime and stuff like that. But all of her stuff, like if you could put it together in one scene here, like Arya's like just doing so good. Like you know, in the 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 Brotherhood meeting, whenever she's watching the fight, oh, fuck yeah. running in. She's like been a, if there's like a top tier who's had the most runner up performances, it's probably been Macy Williams. I'm always like, ah, I would like to give it to her this episode, but I got to go somewhere else. This yeah. actually is going to get my scene. Hmm. Um, okay. nice. I I switched it here just because talking about it, I was like, yeah, this is the shit right here. Um. Hmm. I absolutely adored it. I love the way the hound comes up and it's like, well, shit, now I got to do something. Goes ahead and murders three guys. And the way he goes, next time you're going to do something like that, tell me first. Not yeah. like a, not like a, don't do that again. Not a, not, not a like, oh, you shouldn't do things like that. Just a, if you're going to murder someone and you're going to get into a fight, just let me know, hey, I plan on murdering that person <laughs> and I'm going to need your help. Fair enough from the hound. You know, I mean, Makes a whole lot of sense. And I love how Arya got the knife. She's already sneaky. Like, I don't yeah. know. She's already very sneaky. She got the knife from, from the hound. You know, that's the first thing I think he is that he either says, like, next time you do that, you know, let me know. And he's like, well, how'd you get the knife? You know, where'd you get the knife from? She's like, from you, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, and handing it back. Then um, she gets the coin and she's like, Valamagulis. Yeah, she's looking at him like, oh, okay, now we're getting, you know, like, now we're getting there. Now we're getting to yeah. Arya. Good stuff from Arya. Yeah, because um, next season it's mostly the it's still traversing with the Hound and then escaping from Brienne and the Hound and heading across the Narrow Sea. That's Arya's arc next season. It's just spending time with the Hound, basically. Um, hell yeah, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, and I, I wanted to, I guess, because I noticed kind of a little bit of shakiness um in aria not not that like she was like holy fuck i just killed someone and i don't like it but i think you know it's just an experience that even if you're fully comfortable with before it's your adrenaline's probably pumping a bit those hands get shaky but like her her facial you know she was doesn't fucking budge yeah it didn't phase her at that but like whenever she handed the knife back i don't know like it was just very handled perfectly here like i don't know it was just done very well and so I'm I'm glad to to finally give Macy Williams her flowers. I'm glad she'll be, that she'll you are as well. I'd say I'd say oh she will start where well she'll be a common you know a commonality in performances. Oh, I gotta but, I gotta assume so. Um, no, no, the I little drop trick. So. Hey, I mean it works. You know that maybe maybe the, she dropped the coin, got the got the jump on him. Maybe that's you know that's what got the Night King. That so is. she knows what she's doing. She knows yeah. what she's doing. But uh, next we're heading to King's Landing, where Tyrion and Sansa are walking through the gardens as a pair of passing gentlemen laugh at Tyrion, either for his dwarf status or due to rumors he has not 
uh, consummated his marriage. And Sansa tells him to pay them no mind, and Tyrion reminds Sansa that he's used to it, and he's he's always been a dwarf. And uh, he also states that he's not Joffrey. Tyrion would rather uh, bide his time and humiliate them. And Sansa playfully follows his line of thinking and suggests sheep shifting, secretly hiding sheep's shit in uh, deep within a mattress, so that her target, so that the target always wakes up smelling of dung. And Tyrion's like, yes, that is a very funny idea, but uh, what? Why shift? Uh, and she's like, my lord. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, that's the dirty word for uh, dung. And he's like, oh, my lady. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, it's so sad. She's yeah, so man. innocent, you know. Like, oh, it's just at least the way he like looks down and goes, oh. At least there was a somewhat happy moment. She was remembering a story she was told from home. And, like, she was smiling, like, during this, actually. You know, like, before she heard the news of what happened, you know, and then... Yeah, Arya used to do this to her. She's remembering her sister. At least we get, like, a somewhat happy moment. But even that happy moment is her bed getting stuffed with shit and then her room smelling like shit forever. You know, it's like, oh, just Sansa. Just, man, I, I feel so bad for her. I do, too. I do, too. But uh, he quickly gets called to a small council meeting here by Podrick Payne, and we head to Tywin's chambers. Mm-hmm. Where Grandmaster Pycelle dithers over giving Tyrion a coded message from Lord Frey, and Joffrey jubilantly Sorry. explains its Cold meeting. Fingers. You know, he, no, just Maester Pycelle just still acting old as fuck and dropping the paper, and, like, oh, Tyrion man, fully knowing, you know, like, oh, but... oh, my. Yeah, fucking Grandmaster Pycelle, man. Uh, but Joffrey's like, you know what this means, right? Robin, Catelyn, Stark are dead. Fuck yeah. Woo! And uh, Tyrion is like, ah, fucking A, man. My wife is, you know, related to them. Man, this is rough. And uh, he's already foreseeing the long-term problems that this incident will cause. And Joffrey's like, fuck that, man. I intend to serve Rob's severed head to Sansa at, my, at your wedding feast. Or at my wedding feast. It's going to be wonderful. And... uh None of the small council are able to mask how uh, disdainful they are at the idea of this. They're like, okay, man, you're a bit out of pocket for that one. Uh, Cersei was like, he was just joking. Don't worry. Just a joke. He's like, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm serious. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's confused when she says he's joking. He's like, why the fuck would I be joking? No, I mean that shit. That's uh, that's what I'm saying, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. And Tyrion flatly says, she is not yours to torment anymore. And he angrily proclaims, I am the king. Everyone is mine to torment. Which is just a wonderful mindset for a ruler of a country. Mm-hmm. Um, he who has to call himself the king is no king. I don't know, whatever Charles Dance yeah. said. There. Well, there's a line here that's, I was so close, so close to God. Joffrey goes apologetic and tries to fight his grandfather, deriding Tywin as a coward who hid under Casterly Rock while Joffrey's father was king, won the real war when he mm. overthrew the Targaryens, and the entire small council tenders waiting for Tywin to respond. And Tywin says, the king is tired. Yes. 
Take him to his chamber. Take him, maybe some nightshade to help him sleep. I'm not tired. Oh my god, dude. Come on, this was, I'm not uh, tired. I'm, I'm going to change my favorite scene back. It's this. <laughs> um, it it is absolutely this. Uh, just because mm-hmm. I, I love I love Arya's first kill, and I want to give her some love, but I forgot that by eliminating this, I wouldn't be giving this scene love in any regard, and I absolutely need to. Uh, no, it was great. We got Joffrey actually just I don't know, just, just serve. I don't know, served up some of his not even his own medicine. Not I don't even know what to say. No, no, like, yeah, he's just. He's treated like the child he is, he, yeah. he, he, and yeah. it's it's incredible. And then whenever uh, <laughs> they leave, and Tyrion looks at him and he goes, "You just sent the most powerful man in Westeros to bed before supper." <laughs> yup. Yes, he did. Oh, and um, I also love that. Like I, Tywin annoys the shit out of me. I I know. Like he's an incredible character. Mm. And Charles Dance performs him outstandingly. But Tyrion is clearly being playful. You know, whenever mm. he says something like that, you just sent the most powerful man in Westeros to bed without supper. And he's like, you are crazy if you think he is the most powerful man in Westeros. And he's like, oh, that is the king, father, for shame. Mm. You know, and he's and, and like just the whole exchange there. Mm. Like Tywin can't seem to joke with him one bit in this regard he's like what do you think gives a man his power and he's like well i thought armies rob stark had an army and you know he never lost a battle and still he's dead you're alive um they're actually having a sort of a real conversation here mm. like usually i don't know like you every other conversation Tyrion wanted just to get out, you know, or it's like, it's, it's a duty that he's, you know, saying, oh, you have to marry Sansa now, do this, get her pregnant, get a kid, I hate you, you killed my wife, well, that's all he gets from Tywin ever, but now they're actually just kind of Tywin's being real with him about it, you know, Tyrion's like, well, I suspect that, uh, Walter Frey never would have done something like that on his own, he needed certain assurances, and Tywin goes, which I provided him. Yep. I told him I'd give him the river land, river run, and that'd be that. Um, and he dismisses Tyrion's concerns that the Northerners will never forget nor forgive such an outrage, arguing he wants them to remember that so that it will uh, make them wary of rebelling again. Mm. And Tyrion shows his distaste for this choice of uh, of a wedding as the place to inflict the slaughter. At a mm-hmm. wedding? Really? Mm-hmm. And Tywin goes, tell me, what's so immoral about killing... What's worse, killing 10,000 soldiers in battle or a dozen at dinner? It's like, okay, these are different. This is a, it, I get what you're saying. You make, you make a point, but it's not as good as you think it is. Okay. Or the actual answer. What's better, killing a couple at a dinner or tens of thousands at a war? Zero. You don't either. kill either. Of yeah. them actually that's that's the you know you, the the debate is useless in the first place you know you're asking what what should you do it's just both are immoral um because if you're killing the army you're killing the people who actually don't really care about whatever they're fighting for they're just fighting because they have to or you kill the people who are just at a wedding and don't think they're about to die but then they die you know mm. so um and you break the number one rule in westeros or 
whatever the their God. Earth is no, called. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not just Westeros, but they broke the world. They broke the rule, a pretty big one. Maybe not the number rule. one, but, but yeah, a pretty big one. Um, yeah, but it, Tywin gets all poetic about family, noting Tyrion's failure to consummate his marriage to Sansa. Mm. You know why haven't you? Uh, why haven't you had sex with your wife yet? And Tyrion's like, she does not want to. And he's like, you will put a baby in her one way or another. And he goes, no, I will not bother. That is not something I'm about to do. And uh, then he gets, he goes further and further, demands to know, uh, Tyrion demands to know when Tywin ever put the family's interests above his own. And Tywin responds with a thunderous, the day you were born. He wanted to throw his newborn son into the sea, but instead he spared him and raised him as his son because he is a Lannister. The closest thing to I love you that I think Tyrion will ever get from his dad is this. You know, because everything, I don't know, like, he, he's like, it, it was kind of more meaningful than just like, I hate you and your existence and that you, you know, you did this to my wife, blah, blah, blah. But this one was like, even though all of that, you still are a Lannister. You know, that, that that's his point. He's not saying it like that. He's saying it in a very mean and just terrible oh, way. Yeah. But I think what the point he's trying to get through is that, like, you still are a Lannister. I'm going to do anything and everything for my family. And if you have my last name, that's it. You know, so that's what he's trying to say. Not necessarily I love you. Um, no, but, it's it is probably the nicest thing he's yeah. ever heard. And that's what that was my point is that that's the sad part is that this is the nicest. Yeah, thing no, this is still terrible, heard. you know, because um, there's yeah. also a note to it that could be perceived as. um, I mean, shit, he straight up says, I wanted to murder you the day you were born. I wanted to throw you yeah. out in the water and forget yeah. about it. like, OK, fit you. Whoa. I mean, it's I guess so nice he's... of you, Dad. Thank you for yeah. not doing that. It reminds me of uh, oh, you remember yeah. uh, Peter Quill and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, whenever he's talking to Yondu, and he's like, "You talk about how you y'all just didn't eat me. You say that like it's a good thing. Like I should be thankful for you not eating me. You know, like that's, that's uh that's exactly <laughs> what this is. You know, uh, and it's just uh, in a roundabout way. Uh, oh, Tyrion being thanks, like, Dad, uh, for not killing me. I yeah, love thank you, you for too, not Dad, killing me. Really. <laughs> uh, wow." But uh, immediately after leaving, Tyrion returns to his chambers and calls for Sansa, who just it, has clearly heard the news and has mm -hmm. a tear-streaked face con confirming that she's already been informed. And Tyrion's like, not right now. I get it. You definitely now don't want I'm the to last me. person you want to see right now. Yeah, like, yeah, just anyone with the Lannister last name, not good right now. That's She doesn't have anyone, though. Anyway, nope. like, like that's... Ah. God, this episode was so fucking good, because after this, we head somewhere else in the Red Keep, wherein Varys meets with Shay, and he tells her that uh, he knows she is genuinely in love with Tyrion, and that is why she should take the diamonds he offers her and leave immediately for Essos and build a new, lavish life for himself, or for herself, and Varys is convinced that Tyrion is the last hope for the Seven Kingdoms' current regime. He is the only person in the kingdom who I think can make anything good out of what we're doing here. Um, and you are a complication. There's a, a wonderful <laughs> little line, too, where uh, they talk about Sansa uh, briefly, where uh, mm. you know she confirms, you know, I am in love with Tyrion. And he's like, so 
d- what about Sansa? And she's like, I love that girl. I would kill for her, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't change the way I feel about this. And I won't leave. It hurt any less. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I wanted to, to get your opinion on that. I didn't know if it, if this actually comes back around and if Shay talks to Tyrion about this or not. Um, because at the end, she's like, you know, let Tyrion tell me himself. Don't, you know, Tyrion puts you up to this, whatever. Did Tyrion actually put Varys up to this? Or... Mm, um, I th- I'd be willing to bet there was at least some sort of conversation between Varys and Tyrion about a future in which this sort of thing happens. Mm. However, I don't think Tyrion sicked Varys onto her. I think no, Tyrion I, is generally no. respectful enough to uh, have done that. You know, that's the thing is that I don't think I don't think he told Varys to do this, and I don't think Varys told Tyrion he was going to. Nope. I think I think Varys acted on his own accord, decided. This is what's best. Tyrion will never be able to do it. Mm. And therein I have to do what must be done. And uh, I think that's just kind of it. And yeah, I think it's what makes I think it's what makes Varys just a fantastic character. You know what I'm saying? I almost chose this as my scene just for how beautiful it looked and oh, the conversation and everything. But I, I was thinking that like Varys just saw a lot of himself in Shay, like in a place that is not her home whatsoever let me give you this opportunity you know like um you know all this money by a big home all these people would be so interested in just a wealthy you know and you're beautiful you could do your own thing you know like sort of thing i think it was it was like he made it from the absolute slums to where he is right now and shay you know was just a prostitute before this and now she's made her way to where she is now very, very, you know, doing very well. I think Varys is just like, hey, I'm in a position where I can actually speed track all of this for her. You know, if it like yeah. all this long process that I had, whatever, let me just give her this one bag and she can leave and do whatever she wants. You know, so uh, that's kind of how I how I read it. Because um, I don't know. I, I didn't really think that Tyrion would outwardly or like actually ask Varys to do this. No, I, would, no, no. I, I think you like a lot more sense like. He was probably just drunk, and Varys was, and then he was like, "Oh, I just don't know what I'm gonna do in like ten years. You know, how am I gonna keep this hit? You know, like maybe he's just like not outwardly saying it, like I want her to leave, but he's like, I just don't know what to do. The situation's so hard." Well, that's and... the other thing is that Varys is an incredibly perceptive, empathetic, and uh, mm-hmm. generally good person. That they might not have had this conversation. Yeah, I, that's in my head canon is that Varys did this all on his own. That Tyrion yeah. has no idea that that. Um, he's doing this and that's why i asked if it if it does come back around possibly if there like is a conversation that shay and Tyrion have or Tyrion and Varys. i'm trying or... to remember i i i don't remember if she's in season four episode one because that would be the last time we see her before we see her in tywin's bed um that's episode two no is that's that... episode 10 Oh, I um, thought you said in episode one would be the last time. Oh, wait, you mean be. it's one in ten that we see here and that's I it? I think it would be is, oh. is what I'm thinking here. Let me. Uh, yeah, because I'm trying to remember because Tyrion gets accused of Joffrey's murder and is immediately that's right is immediately locked up, you know? Okay. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> OK, so they don't interact very much after mm-hmm. that. I can't think. Um. See. Which is why I'm 
Here, I'm going to check that for sure. Is it S-H-A-E? Apparently, it says that she is in episode one. Um, She's in one, two, six, and ten in season four. Okay, so a little bit. Um, so she's huh. got four more episodes, which means she will interact with Tyrion again before mm-hmm. he murders her. Um, in fact, I do believe Varys escorts her to the dungeons to meet with him while he before he's about to go on trial. She might even testify against him, actually, oh. in that trial. Um. I oh, actually man. do think that's the case. Oh. I think she testifies against him. Now some things um, are coming back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Season man, four wow. might be the best season of the show. Yeah. So much happens here. Like that's so much shit goes down right there. That okay. is the shit, man. That show is that season peak, just peak. Uh, but and we will get there. Um. Nevertheless, um, moving on, unknown to everyone in King's Landing, Jamie Lannister, Brienne of Tarth, and Kyburn have finally arrived to the city, and the city folk do not even recognize Jamie anymore. As after his long absence from the capital, his grown-out beard and dirty appearance with no hand, and uh, they make their way to the Red Keep, where Jamie immediately calls on Cersei, who regards him with a confused look as she takes in his disheveled appearance and missing hand. And that's it. She just kind of turns around in shock. A one and, word, uh, you know, and another... If she had if she had an ounce more of reaction, Lena Headey would have gotten another performance not out of me. Mm. No, this, She did this, so good earlier on in the episode. This made me tear up even a little bit. Like, just this one little, like, Cersei. Like, me that's all he said. Too. And I'm like, and I was I'm actually like, like I have never once I know. liked Jamie and Cersei, and I still that's, don't. Why am I feeling things? I was like, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I'm like, this is weird. I don't like them together. And then I'm like, but why am I, like, actually tearing it's up right now? It's the way they wrote it, man. It's it's because you're starting to forgive Jamie. It's because the music swell in this moment is incredible. It's because Cersei's not totally and completely irredeemable yet. There, there's like a, there's a plethora of things and don't get me wrong. I still don't like it. I've never liked them and I never will. Their incestuous relationship is nasty, but I think it's simply because Jamie's torment is over that you feel yeah. this way. I it's not that, necessarily it was that you're happy yeah. that Jamie is back with Cersei and yay, they're going to be happy to get the, no, that's not what I'm happy about. I'm happy that Jamie's done going through the shit he's been going through. Mm. And I think that's why that moment ultimately makes you feel things. Cause I had the same thing. I started tearing up and I was like, no, yeah. why am I feeling like I this? Know. I know. And I don't know. It's just a coming I off think of that's... Uh, the, the Royal Tenenbaums as well. You know, we talked about yeah, how like, yeah. a, how like a, a, it, just brother sister but they handled it very well and it was very you know different and like whatever but like I, it was coming on wednesday everybody yeah and then i'm like oh is it that i'm like is it just because my mind was open to it a little bit and i'm like no, no i think it really it's just different. is like it, it, it is different Jamie specifically yeah that it it's was not like, oh, it's because yeah. i'm not feeling any ounce of happiness for cersei mm-hmm. you know i'm not like finally cersei gets to see jamie again no I'm not worried about that. I'm I'm happy Jamie doesn't have to keep going through the hell he's been going through for a couple years, a year mm. now, maybe more. Um, God dang. Yeah. And that's what made me realize that like, they do a lot of heavy lifting to help 
better his image within the last season and a half. Um, he's about to do some shit here within the next three or four episodes that for me, I wash my hands of him and I'm never down with him again. Uh, just astonishingly like this, like that's the thing is that like, I should be able to probably know what this is. You probably blocked it out. Hmm. It's disturbing. It's bad. It's terribly, horrifyingly disgusting of him. And that's why, even so, whenever they did all the, like, redemption arc for Jamie later on, I'm never like, I love Jamie Lannister. I can't be. I'm like, hmm. good for him for becoming a better person, but, God, he he sucked. He sucked bad, you know? Um and there's there's a part of me that like while I don't love the ending he got he absolutely deserved it I think um deserved Jamie. like the redemption part or the no, reserved, deserved the, to the die death that he got deserved oh, okay. to die in a that's the thing he deserved to die I don't think it was in Cersei's arms I don't think it was in mm. at the red keep buried with her I don't think that's the case. Um, I also don't like Brie. I think Brienne deserved better than Jamie. I know she's mm. in love with him and stuff, but she deserved better than him. He deserved, he deserved Cersei, even though he got better. So like, it's like, I have complicated yeah. feelings, but we will get there. We will get there because right now I'm not there. I'm it's, blank. I don't even know. I still, I was trying to think of what the act is. That's your theme. I can't, I don't know. I'm like, it's bad, man. It's one of those. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's one of those ones where I just can't, like, I'm like, oh my god, no, hmm. no. But. Okay. Well, ignorance is bliss for now. I'll for now. It'll that. be yeah, it'll be within a few cool. episodes, I think. Before long, huh. we'll get there. But uh, we are heading to Dragonstone after that, where Davos is testing his newfound literacy on Stannis' correspondence, declining Shireen's invitation to read more tales of Aegon I. And he expresses dissatisfaction about the odd spelling of the word knight, regarding it as nigget. Why is there a G in knight? I don't know. There just is. All right. That's how, fair yeah. enough. That's how it is. You know, like that. It was just no, no better way to explain it. it like, That's just how it is. Okay, cool. Whatever. All right, cool. cool. I'll keep that in mind. That's one I won't forget now, you know. Uh, but uh, before hearing the horns. Right you know yeah. it was nice that he learned that word right before the message he read right from, from the, the night's, night's watch, watch. yeah, yeah so very convenient very, very nice to learn but uh uh but yeah before hearing the horns that signal melisandre's intent to sacrifice gendry he argues with stannis again about sacrificing the boy uh but stannis is convinced by melisandre that using gendry as a part of her blood magic will give him the power to destroy his enemies and claim the iron throne this part whenever he comes up and she's like, uh, he's like, the usurper Rob Stark is dead. And he just goes, and you think because he threw a leech on a fire that that's why that happened? Uh, yeah, he's like, or it's just because it's wartime and people die all the time? You know, like. Fucking love Davos. Davos was an easy, easy character choice. There's no week. doubt. Yeah, there's no. He's getting both of them. There's like, there was no doubt that any other character was going to get it. Like, even just his interactions with Stannis and. Melisandre were good enough to get in there. And then yeah. also his like interactions with Gendry, I think were even better. Um, right. Like just the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but no, Davos is, um, I, I, I don't, I keep coming back to this. I have this thought that he was one of the only people who knew how it all ended for some reason that this actor, Liam Cunningham, 
Um, I don't know why, but I, I feel like it's just a, a story that I heard somewhere. It's probably not even real. But in my head canon, I guess, um, he's just, I guess, one of the most important people to the show in, like, my head canon that the people trusted him enough with, like, all the secrets and everything. Um, I fucking love Liam Cunningham but, uh, on, a, on a lot more fronts than just uh, as an actor. I think yeah. he's, a, he's a wonderful yeah. guy. Uh, he's a very vocal ally on Twitter, which is very, very cool. He's a he's generally good person, um, which I really appreciate. And uh, oh, yeah. I love, I love me some Davos Seaworth and we haven't even gotten to why he's the best. He's the character of this <laughs> episode. You know, that was just a little, that was just a little sprinkle on the top before everything came crashing down for him, not crashing down, but crashing mm-hmm. up, I suppose. Uh, when he, uh, when he doesn't get through to his liege, Davos takes matters into his own hands and goes ahead and frees uh frees the boy, frees Gendry. But before he frees him, I can't believe this doesn't have him have this in here. The conversation Davos and Gendry had was incredible. That oh, was one of the best scenes in this episode. That is my favorite uh, scene. Yeah, like I couldn't I was just watching, I'm like, oh my god. Like are you t- like in the cell whenever he's like, Yeah, yeah no, I was whenever he's like uh, you're a lord, I heard all about that. He's and he explains how he grew up. In Flea Bottom, a, a river of shit ran past his front door, and he's like, yeah. "You lived in the nice part yeah. of town. You, buddy. you were actually more highborn than I was, dude. Yeah, no, no, that." And then Gendry was actually, actually kind of like, "Oh, okay." He's like, like, "Oh, okay, I can't fuck with this guy. this guy now." And the, this, their interactions, like, I think it's Davos just lost his son, you know, in mm. the Battle of Blackwater, and now he's explaining to Gendry like. Yeah, I did have a son. This is why I did all of this, like, all of this stuff, you know, like, why I even became a lord. Like, I never wanted this, but I wanted a better life for my son. I didn't want so him I to, said yes. Didn't want him to walk over a river of shit every time he stepped out his front door. And I'm like, hell, let's fucking go, Dob, you know, like, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wait. Like, and then Gendry's like, oh, well, well, where is your son? You know, and he's like, dead now. And it's like, well, how, you know, following me, following you know, me. it's like what he says. And I'm like. I was like, God damn it, Davos, you're too perfect. You know, like it's it's not. Davos is that working. He's the working class hero of Game of Thrones. You know, like that man's just he's the fucking guy. You know, there comes a point. What I love is that, like, there comes a point in the show where Jon Snow and Davos Seaworth are like homies if there is a king in the north it's john if there's a hand to that king it's fucking davos and that's super fucking cool you know what i'm saying like uh davos um, is so fucking cool i love that man and uh i i, I always will that uh, one of my favorite characters in all yeah. of game of thrones frankly um what, and... I want davos or stannis i mean that's not even close you know it's no. like it's like you know no you just take stannis out of there just put davos up on the throne yeah but... for real uh, he's, For I don't really? know, he's, every, like, his his advice, you know, and I guess they're just, Stannis and Melisandre, they're like, well, we know higher things, we know the, the, the Lord of Light is telling us to do these things, but Davos is just like, guys, what the, f- you're gonna, what are you doing, you know, he's just the, the voice of reason, you know, the actual, like, what the fuck are we actually doing here, guys? Yeah, what um, the fuck are y'all on, man, this shit is so easy, it's so simple, y'all are making it complicated, fucked up y'all are doing a bunch of terrible shit i don't really get it uh (laughs) but regardless uh i did really really enjoy just uh just his whole part of this episode and we're only just Mm. now getting to the goodies 
whenever he does free Stan or Stannis, frees Gendry, mm-hmm. takes him to the shore, tells him to keep rowing, asks him, "Can you swim?" No, don't fall out of the boat. Um, Gets in the wrong way too. He's facing the wrong way. You know, like turn around, you know, yeah. whatever. Like and he's just telling him all these little things. Like it was a very um, nice, just kind of like not father son. They don't have really any super real connection. But to Gendry, like he was just a prisoner. Like this is the only nice guy that's been talking to him ever. So like I kind of saw like this was like kind of a nice just relation. Like the start of a, I don't know. He's just looking out for him. You know, like my son was killed because he followed me. I'm just, I'm going to let you, you go, you know, you, you get out of this, thing, get out of the situation. It's bad. Just go, you know, keep the shore on your left and you'll eventually get to wherever you need to go. I forget, forgot where he even tells him to go. He tells him um, to go to King's Landing. Oh, wow. Is He's that- like, why would I go to King's Landing? They're looking for me there. He's like, do they know your face? He's like, I don't see any That's reason right. why they would. He's yeah. like, then you ought to be more afraid of these people. Go back to King's Landing. Uh, <laughs> That's Which true. is a fantastic logic, you know, but uh, Davos Fancy. eventually, you know, he insists to Stannis upon being sentenced to death that uh, he needs him. He mm. will require his assistance to rally yeah. troops and mercenaries. You need someone to convince people that you are worth following because you are not very good at convincing people of that. And I'm a goddamn salesman. Okay, yeah. I can figure this shit out. He I'm knew a smooth his death talker. It's coming. Literally, he's like, as Stannis was like, and blah blah blah. He was like, all right, yep, I know, I know. Like, all right, get through it. All well, right, here's all why right. you can't. Yeah, and now, now let me, let me, you know, let you in on a little secret. God, he's so good. Coming. I love me some Davos Seaworth, man. Uh, I love. I don't know. It is interesting that like Melisandre was like, yeah, no, kill this man. We instantly. You are the the guy who will get all here, and like she's well, like on her her mind to sacrifice Gendry. And then she throws this letter in the fire, sees a vision. She's like, "I oh, well, shit. I learned some new shit. Okay. All right. You're going to oh, need uh, him. I think we were, I think it's pretty right to assume that, like, she just sees interpretations, you know, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. She's like, she really thought, you know, like, I don't think she was playing Stannis. I think she might be. But, like, I don't think it was really in her only interest to play Stannis the whole time. Just to, no, like, no. I, think, like, she really I don't thought. think she is. I, I, I still don't think yeah. she is. Um. And I don't think she ever was, and, and and for multiple reasons. A, there's an ignorance is bliss sort of thing. You know, uh, the way we see her learn new information, we like without the fire god. You know, without the fire god, she learns this information, she burns it, and that informs a new vision, like a new interpretation in her head. I don't think it's necessarily there's this sort of thing where she not only thinks it is Stannis right now, she wants to believe it is. She wants to believe she's right. Um, I see. Yeah. So that's why I never think she's playing Hmm. Stannis. She might be leading him to do stupid things, but it's only ever out of the hope that she's right and that the fire god is speaking through her. I don't think it's because she's like, I'm praying on Stannis' downfall and I want to usurp his throne. No, like I think it's just she wants to think she's right. So she does things that inform that idea. Um, And, you know, Davos does have an important role to play in the events to come. Without Davos, Jon Snow doesn't get revived because Melisandre, he's the one who knows Melisandre is capable of some crazy shit. He's like, I once saw you burr the fucking shadow monster out of that vagina. How about you get in there and perform 
a bringing a back to life ritual on this guy and we'll see what happens you know like uh that's pretty wow. massive yeah okay hell yeah does he make it all the way does is he master of ships master of ships that's, that's right yeah i mean he's master got of to. ships he's on the he's... king's council at the end of this thing man davos real one but uh Stannis sarcastically laughs and he's like, ha, you see that shit? See that shit? Saved by the God you like to mock so much. Deuces, buddy. And this whole scene looked so fucking good because of the sunset streaming in through the window. Dude, was it just the, I'm like, wow. Like, I, I saw that and I'm like, yep, if we were doing favorite shots of the episode, it's be there. Um, yeah, that was without a doubt. I'm like, that's why it was. I kind of well. I chose if I'm picking a specific part of this scene. It's whenever Davos goes down in the like the dungeon and speaks with Gendry down there, mm. and they speak of Flea Bottom and all that stuff. I really like that conversation the most. But this whole scene was just so, so well done. Good. And then they got back up there, and the sunset was like, "I'm like, oh my god!" It just keeps getting better and better. Oh my god, this is um, freaking awesome. But yeah, that that room is Dragonstone. I don't know that's like that's always ripe with some pretty pretty shots. I, I guess. In House of the Dragon, we saw no. We was saw that Dragonstone, yeah, and it was that room, room. But like, it wasn't open up to the outside, was it? It was. Or was um, maybe they were in a different room? Maybe that was like a different. The table wasn't in that room, or was it? I think it was. No, we were only in that room once in hmm. House of the Dragon, and it was because uh, remember, Rhaenyra comes down to confront Damon about the egg he stole, and we're, we're on that bridge outside of Dragonstone. Uh -huh. um, after that. Whenever Damon tells Rhaenyra that his lady, Missaria, is pregnant, they go up into that room, into this room, and mm. they argue for a second. And that's the only time we see this room in House of the mm. Dragon. Whenever uh, Rhaenyra, or, you know, I feel like she was giving birth. In, that's was that's it not in King's in Landing. That, okay, so it's not Dragonstone. Okay. Um, I, for, for some reason, I thought that's that whole stuff was there, and like the end of the show, they were at Dragonstone. No, that's at the reason. war table. That's oh. what I was confusing. Yeah, that war, the war table, isn't that the same table, it, or is that a different table? That's a different table because that okay. one, I think that oh, is that at the drift mark. That's might, it. If, if there's that's time, it. they're at the drift. Yeah, because they went. That's where they are. They're not at Dragonstone. I, think. I have an idea. If there is time enough between this rewatch and House of the Dragon season two, we might need to do a House of the Dragon season one rewatch yeah. going in to it. That's true. Because we would just have all the Game of Thrones stuff in our mind and then we'd yeah. just jump into season two. Because with... I'm not going to lie to you. I've only watched House of the Dragon once. I hardly remember shit. I'm going to need it. I'm yeah. going to need it. Um. <laughs> This is true. And I watched it week to week. I never watched that shit all consecutively. No. I yeah, just watched no. it 10 weeks straight. And that's all I remember is some mm. things that happened every once in a while. But goddamn, I loved watching it. Uh, anywho, we are next heading to the wall. Wherein, arriving at the abandoned night fort, Mira Reed tells Bran and Hodor and Jojen that the castle is safe to enter. While around the fire, Bran tells the story of the rat cook a Night's Watch mm. member who killed a guest under his roof, a sin the gods cannot forgive. And uh, we get a couple Hodors here. How many? Was it two? Hodor. Yeah, just two. Just two. A couple Echoes, though. We're not going to count the Echoes. You know, it's a little unfair. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but, but yeah, two individual Hodors. Um, 
I put in there that they both echoed, just so we remember. Just a little, just a little tidbit about the Hodors. That one. They were fun Hodors. This one, there was, you know, it wasn't just like an okay. They were a fresh new Hodor. It was Hodor because Hodor wanted to talk. You know, he he wanted to see what would happen, and you know, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, but uh, nevertheless, later that night, Bran is awoken by a sound and wakes his companions in time to see something large climbing out of the council well or the castle well, and Mira attacks and overpowers the intruder, who is revealed to be Samwell Tarly, accompanied by Gilly. And watching this just made me... This is the first time storylines have collided. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything's kind of been on its own path, always. It's always been like what Rob Stark's doing, what Theon's doing, what Daenerys is doing, what they're doing, yeah. what they're doing. This is the first time we have what Bran's doing and what Samwell is doing, yeah. and they happen to touch just at a random point, and then they keep going in their directions. You know, and it reminded me how good it felt to see that on the first time. You're, mm. Like I remember being like, "Yes, Samwell is seeing <laughs> Bran." You know, like I don't know, like it's somebody's just like, seen somebody else. Yeah, you know? like, exactly. Yeah, it's the fact that like. This show can make me that excited about a couple of random fucking characters meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, Samwell and Bran meet here, and it's like, oh, thank fucking God. Finally, this needed to happen. And I'm like, I didn't know it needed to happen, but I love it. Uh, This scene, actually, I adored this scene uh, because there's this weird sense for Samwell that he does not have in any other scene in basically the entire show where he is the authority in the room. Mm-hmm. Not the authority. He's not the final say, but he is the one they are listening to. Okay. He's the one yeah. who they're taking advice from. Like They're not like, mm-hmm. usually Sam is in a subservient position where people are telling Sam what to do, what he needs to do, where he needs to be. He'll like be like, but can I? And they'll be like, no, you're doing this. Uh, this is the time where they're like, "What do you think, Sam?" You know, and uh, yeah, he's like, "Yeah, well, you can just go through your Hodor can carry you," and he's like, "It just like puts it all, out, lays it all out for him." Yep. Um, you're and right. I love yeah. the way he's like, uh, the way they discover, he's like, they're like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Oh shit, you're Bran." Mm. Oh my god, you're John's yeah. brother, and just the way that it all comes together, he's like, "I've been around Ghost enough to know a Dio Wolf when I see one," and. All that, like, this was another one that was damn close to being my favorite scene. Just because, uh, it's a it's one of the most likable characters meeting another one of the most innocent characters in the yeah. show, and it's just a, it's a nice, happy moment, you know? And I know it's, like, forewarning, you know? Sam's like, you do not want to go there. You do not want to go north of the wall. You don't want to see the things I've seen, and, uh, Jojen's like, know. I know exactly what you've seen, buddy, and we are going right towards it, um... Yeah. But he lets him know. He's like, I, I killed a White Walker. That's right. You know, and they're like, but somebody had to be the first. He's like, no one has killed a White Walker in thousands of years. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's whatever. I guess I just kind of did it. Didn't even really mean to. But the Ravens are all there. So I'm thinking Bran already knew, you know. But Bran needed future to get there. Future Bran. Needed to actually Bran have would know. Yes, Future Bran knew, but Bran needed to get it told to him. By Sam, so that's why they met, you know, met and then le- you know left. So it's like, oh my god, like everything is. It actually just makes sense, you know, right. like through this whole journey that he's going. Because, like at first, it's like, do you really have to go north, Bran? You know, like 
you say it with such certainty, you know, because <laughs> before now, like, in, if you're just watching this for the first time, you're like, you understand, you think you got something here, but, like, that's really the wrong way, you know? Yeah, like you should not be going that way. Cause, cause, yeah, because I, I forgot who kind of mentions it, and he's like, yeah, I, I did good against one, but, like, yeah, what the same. fuck are you guys going to do? He's like, what are you guys going to do? No, and he, like, I love the way he said that. He's like, I got lucky against one, and what are what are you guys going to do? Mm. And they just kind of sit there for a second. He goes, are you going to kill them? You know, and it was kind of like the first time Sam's ever been, like, kind of sassy and snippy. You know, he's not being mean. He's just like, let's be fucking for real for, real for a second. Yeah. Are you going to kill them? And uh, I I just really appreciated that light on Sam, you know? Like, and that was one of the reasons I loved this scene was just, like, it was a different angle of Sam, you know. He's been kind of like this protective figure for Gilly a little bit for a time. He's gaining confidence. He goes into this this castle, and I don't know. Things are going his way a little bit. But uh, before they separate, Sam gives them the dragon glass, and the group's head in their different directions. Sam and Gilly for Castle Black, Castle Black, and the Reeds, Hodor, and Bran beyond the wall. And one of my other options for a favorite shot was them walking out Whoa. of there. And I yeah. want to point to the imagery here um, that it looks like night. It looks like they are walking towards the moon into the long night, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, yeah. they're heading towards the darkness. They're heading towards that. They're heading into the night where they need to be getting the fuck out of there. You would think, but uh, I, th- I I feel like that has to be purposeful imagery. I can't imagine it's not trying to evoke a night sky. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now too. And it's like, 100 percent because like that's not actually the moon is it that's just like a hole that's the hole at the end of the tunnel yeah oh no it's 100 percent they're in they're invoking the night sky there oh yeah cool that's what i was thinking i was like they're they're heading into the the long night sort of like the inverse of the beautiful dragon stone night you know sunset kind of you know it's like yeah um where they think they're all good and doing the right thing and it's Mm. all beautiful and stuff but the actual I guess right thing that needs to happen right now is the opposite of what you think. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah, But nevertheless, we head to castle black after where Sam and Gilly meet with Maester Eamon, who is furious at the prospect of Sam having violated his vows. And Sam defends himself by reciting the night's watch oath to protect the realms of men, whatever side of the wall they are on and repeating Gior Mormont's assertion that a wall of five, a wall of ice, 500 miles long and 700 feet high was not built to keep out barbarians. You know, uh, that's not what that was built for. You know, it wasn't built for wildlings. Uh, no. And Aemon's no, demeanor not. softens upon learning that Gilly was one of Craster's wives and acknowledges that she is now a refugee and should be sheltered. Aemon then orders Sam to begin writing letters immediately and make sure that all 44 of Castle Black's ravens are well-fed because every one of them is to fly tonight. Mm. The White Walkers have returned. Almost a line, and it's really just because it's cute, and it's Sam. But it was like, I hope your your penmanship is better than your swordplay, or whatever, and Sam was just like, miles better. He's like, finally, I'm doing something I want to do. I've been wanting to write for months, you know? like. You should have had me do right away. I've been north of the wall for like a year, bro. I'm ready. Uh, But uh, nevertheless, stopping to rest and tend to his injuries after fleeing the wildlings, Jon Snow finds himself confronted by a furious egret who has an arrow knocked ready to shoot him. 
Mm. And John tries to talk to her. You know, I had to do what I had to do, love. And uh, I know I got a little Shrek there, but I I had to. It was hilarious. Uh, you always knew I was. And uh, she doesn't say a word. You know, she just kind of stands there for a while. And uh, he eventually she says, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. And that's when we get my favorite line of the episode where he says, I do know some things. Mm. I know I love you. I know you love me. And then she looses an arrow at him, shoots him, uh, shoots him, attempted to shoot him in the heart uh, and kill him. Uh, got a, got through his back on the left side of his shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. That's, you think this was? You think she was actually trying to kill him? I think this of, was. I think this was. She's so good with the bow that she knew where to hit him, and it wouldn't actually kill him. Gotcha. Like she hit him in the leg. One of them, you know, one of them <laughs> was like in the leg. One of them was like. I think it was like. Remember, you know, like I know you love me. I know that you don't want to do this. I know that this is hard for you too. But I still want you to remember me whenever you're going away. You know, like this. Yeah, right. you know, this okay, I see you there. I just couldn't. Uh, I suppose it would take a level of precision to miss the heart where she shot him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was more of like because she wait. She waited as well. Like she mm-hmm. didn't shoot right away, and you know, yeah. like it, it wasn't just like I'm gonna. You know, I I want to kill you. Like just firing as much as she could. It was like Not emotional true. shots. You know, and I guess it could just be like maybe I am gonna kill him, so I'm taking my time to like you know think of it. So it Fine. could be both yeah. ways. Um, no, I just thought like if you're gonna act like you're not trying to kill him, don't shoot him so close to his heart. Like not actually hit him three times, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. One kind of sends that message. Um, true, that is true. Yeah, I get. I, I don't know. I, I guess no. I, there's a balance though, because I I think there might be a subconscious level at work. You know, like there might be a consciously she's like, I need to kill this motherfucker. This mm-hmm. is what I need to do, but her heart won't let her do it. You know what I'm saying? So she she accidentally misses on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, hmm. there's one that catches like there's one that catches John on the left side of his back, upper back, which is where your heart is. You know, like I was this like, is, that's yeah, that is a kill shot. Usually, that is. I mean, you know, even even if it doesn't hit your heart, just during the time period you're in. It's gonna get infected. It's like you got a lot of stuff you got to worry about that they don't even know about. So yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess could go either way here. I like the subconscious. It's probably her subconscious. Yeah, it's kind of just a like ah, you know what? I can't. I can't. I can't do this deep down. You know. Mm. Uh, But this was uh, another one who almost got my performance was Rose Leslie. Uh, Again, Mm. she Mm -hmm. is fantastic as Egret. Whenever she watches him go and her tear, her eyes well up with tears. Uh, dude fantastically well done mm. and kid harrington did really well this episode too you know there was kind of uh everybody firing on all cylinders here for the season finale and uh i really enjoyed it but uh after this john badly injured manages to ride his horse to carry him the rest of the way to castle black and as he hovers in and out of consciousness having reached safety john is brought inside the castle by the guards where he encounters sam and pip who are overjoyed to see him and insist that his injuries be taken care of. You're home now. Mm. It was nice, you know. Like, it was well, nice. I bet he can't. He can't even see us right now. He's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and there's. Dang. I like that. There's like a different 
like tone in his voice. Like Pip, it's just like excitement. Cool, Pip. And then you see Sam, and it's like heartwarming. Like, oh, you're alive! Thank fucking God. You know, like Sam. It was so, it was so sweet, man. I just ah, the relationships John forms over the course of this show. My, it's part of the reason I regard him as my favorite character, which is like funny because on this rewatch so far, and we haven't gotten to the point where he is that guy. You know, like. It's crazy how late that happens. I think that's the point. Like, that's actually why we like him so much. Is that he, he wasn't was always the guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he was. His rise yeah. is just fucking epic, dude. By the uh, time you get to Battle of the Bastards and he pulls that. So you're just like, yeah. Like, oh, I, like, you, like th- there's no question, you know, like when, when we get there. But like, you're right. Like right now, if this is first watch, I mean, I like him. You know, oh, yeah. I'm like, he's a good guy. Fuck yeah. Reason to, like hate him, you know, or anything. Oh, but yeah. I'm not, he's like, one of the better people in the show. I'm not to the level of battle of the bastards yet where I'm like, oh, I, I would fucking go. There's, I'd a, stand point, right yeah. next There's a point in this next show year, you know? where I have like this deep hero envy man crush on Jon mm-hmm. Snow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. we get to a point where I'm like, I kind of want to kiss him on his mouth. You know what I'm saying? I, think, I think I'm already there. Uh, you know, I, I think I was season one. We're already there. He's a cutie. Um, He's a cutie. I don't want to live. Like I've already said, I don't want to live in this world whatsoever. It's like terrible. The things they just have to go through. But like by the time the end of the show, I would actually like go out on the battlefield and fight for John. I know I I don't follow John. I don't. I follow John through the gates of fucking hell. By the end of the show, yeah, I'm I'm following John. That man was Um, bad fucking ass. and this is not the first season that ends with him bloodied on the grounds at Castle Black. Um, it's true. Um, but the first one, the only one where he ends up alive. Um, <laughs> but uh, that takes us to our last location of the season in Yunkai. We're outside the walls of the city. Daenerys Targaryen and her advisors wait for the city's enslaved to appear. Daenerys frets that the Yunkish slaves who are better treated than Astapors might have grown to enjoy their lifestyle and might not welcome freedom. Uh, you know, some grow to grow to like their chains. And finally the gates open and the freed people pour on out. And uh, mm-hmm. of how Daenerys uh, but Daenerys interrupts and says, hey, it was not me. Y'all have the choice. It's you. Only you can free yourselves. And after a moment, one of the freedmen stretches his hand towards Daenerys and calls out, Misa! And after another moment, another person says it, and another, and another, until the entire crowd is chanting Misa. Bewildered, she asks Masande, What does it mean? She says, It is Old Giscari. It means mother. And when the slaves advance on Daenerys, the Unsullied step into formation, but the queen tells them to stand down. She tells her dragons to fly, and she tells her men at her side that these people will not hurt her. And she steps out into the crowd, who carry on their chanting, and eventually lift her above their heads, and uh, offering a nice little glimmer of hope in an increasingly darker and darker situation. Yeah, I did just say that I would follow John to the ends of the earth and everything. But right now, I'm already following Daenerys. You're already following Danny, man. I'm yeah. already, yeah. Like, and that's that's the, I I, guess, I don't know how I didn't pick up on this, but like, it's just 
seen her conquest, like seen not just her free all these people and stuff like that, but like just to see like the aftermath of it and see the people look at her as like, oh my god, like thank you, like this is like I that mother, like, like yes, like w- there's nothing that we can do or you know give you or anything, but this moment is like powerful in itself. And then like you see Jora looking at her, you see Sir Barristan looking at her. They're all like, oh my god, like we are really on the right out here you know like i don't know it's like this is you just i feel like if you're on rob fighting for rob we had some people are like man i i really don't know why i'm still fighting out here you know now i just want revenge but like out for danny's story it's like every time you ask yourself why am i here it's like i know why i'm here yeah like i am fully 100 percent in no matter what and that's why like i always these feel good moments you know it's just like it's a bunch of, I don't know, people just coming out, lifting Daenerys up, just saying mother over and over. You know, like, that. it's very simple, but, like, oh, my God, does it feel so powerful and just so good, like, after all the shit that happens in this show. Um, we actually get some cities that aren't just burned down and or, you know, whole armies slaughtered. Uh, she did kill, you know, all the soldiers and stuff in the city, but uh, I don't know. It was very nice not to hear a Dracaris, you know, and whatever the Valyrian word is for fly. Um, right. It was very nice to hear that and just uh, see her walk out and be like, yeah, no, they won't hurt me. And Joran Barristan, they're like, they're right. ready. All right. Well, let's. Like, well, I like to think there's a. I, she tells her dragons to fly, right? Mm-hmm. That's her last line of defense in case something does go wrong. She can exactly. go Dracaris and she can go ahead and do something. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that that's not at all what happens, but that she's like, it's fine. You you guys don't need to worry about anything. Uh, she can hold her own. Yeah, it's like yeah. if if all three of her dragons instantly just started spewing fire right where she is, she's fine. Everyone else there is dead. You know? Yeah, one thing that I've uh, – that I appreciated more about House of the Dragon and uh, have – I have a little bit of beef with Game of Thrones over – is like, uh, oh, you are capable of casting black and brown people in roles, huh? They just they just happen to all be enslaved people. That's at what some I was going to say, is that it did feel like a very grand and powerful moment, but then also just seeing a one very white, white saviory in the yeah. very middle of everyone else. I was like, man, like that one shot where it showed everybody. I'm like, that should be a cool shot, but it's not. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel good. It, it makes me go... It, you're right. It did take it. Like, it, I was like, ah. Oh. I, I like, felt like, ah, oh, man, that could have been cool. But it, uh, th- there's just an element to it that, and they, I think they do their best to try and balance that. You know, whenever she does go, it's, it's your freedom. You take it. It's not mine to give. Like, that, mm. that is you. It's not me. But then they flip it back on their head whenever everybody starts calling her mother. You know, that's when mm-hmm. it's like, they do view her as the savior. They do view her as the person who saved them. And it's, uh, and that's the thing is that like, I don't know what I'd rather have in this story. You know, like, do I want them to be like, okay, dope deuces. Thanks. You know, like, I don't know, like probably not, but, uh, I think there's an element of like this warship aspect that does make it feel a little weird. Um, I guess in the time, right? Like in our world, it's just so different you don't have someone coming in to act you know and 
kill all the soldiers and then now you're free of slave, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm putting myself in, in a slave's shoes in this city, all the people are dead, and then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, it's three dragons as well. You just came in, and I mean, I, I'll probably see her as like, holy fuck. But yeah, I'm, you're kind of dope. No, and I mean, there's this element of it, too, where it is like Daenerys said it moments before, you know, people grow to like their chains. Yeah, These people have been have done nothing but been told what to do and where to go and who to follow and all of this natural for them to go ahead and go, this is the person I follow now, you know? And uh, she says the right things, you know, and they, it's, it's similar to the unsullied in that it's like, you know, she tells them you can lay down your arms. Mm -hmm. You do not have to fight for me. You can leave. But all of them have known nothing but enslaved fighting. So what do they all choose to do? They choose to stay on and fight. You know, like it's just like a lot. And it is different here because these people will go on to return to the city and take housing and all of this stuff. And they will they will live. They will have their jobs. They will they will not be forced to do anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like there is there is an element there that's different than the unsullied. Um, Hmm. But regardless, there is just a and the unsullied. Another good example. You don't see a lot of white unsullied. You know, yeah, Masande, black woman, and uh, yeah. all all of these characters. Every single black or brown character in the show was once enslaved. And I guess, like on one hand, we're in a fantasy world where all of this stuff doesn't matter whatsoever. We could have any kind of people, whatever. We don't have to follow all that stuff, you know. And that that's the argument for like, don't make them all like that. Yeah. If I'm playing devil's advocate. The point of all of this stuff in the first place is to tell a story, and usually it's a story in history or something that mm-hmm. has actually happened before. No, yeah. And that's and, what is interesting is there's a balance of, like, they're trying to do something that feels historically accurate. Yeah. But then you go, how much of this is historically accurate? You got dragons. zombies marching on the marching on, from the north. And like, you got dragons all over the place. Uh, and that's that's where the balance comes in, and that's why I appreciate them learning yeah. from this and going on to House of the Dragon and being like, okay, the Valerians are a black family, and uh, their hmm. kids will be mixed, and there's there's stuff like that. Like you know, there's a yeah. It it, it I appreciate that they learned from their mistakes prior, and you know, there's this was shit. This was even ten years ago, and even ten years ago, it was a little bit of a different. It was a different time in media, you know, like it is. This wasn't entering the collective consciousness as a concern, you know, like it's it's become more notable in recent years that something like this shouldn't be happening. And it's not that it wasn't always a problem. It's just that now it's more recognized as such widely and uh, which is why they were able to do something like that with House of the Dragon, you know, Avatar, Uh, you know, the movie like it's like when I first watched the movie, I had no thought in my mind of like a white savior complex and stuff and then like you hear it for the first time and you're like well that's just pretty undeniable there you know yeah. it's like wow they, uh, the, they want to take our land bro yeah. you are one of them shut your <laughs> fucking mouth yeah um but this they're trying to do something good you know it is oh, no, i and think like, that's the thing is that like that. this is this is handled in that i i would argue this is handled better than avatar because Jake Sully takes responsibility for that. 
he says, follow me. I am the one you are to follow. You know, like uh, at least Daenerys has the humbleness to go, hey, y'all, y'all are free of your own accord. Y'all will do what you want. It is not me who's granting you that freedom. They just embrace her as the one who is their savior. And uh, that becomes not a character problem, but a writing or a more writing choice. Mm-hmm. Um so like it's it's it is it is interesting. It's a it's a complicated matter within uh, the context of something that's supposed to be historical fiction, uh fantastical yeah. historical fiction. So it's like there's it's odd, but I, I do understand what their goal was. It's just it's aged poorly. Mm-hmm. Um it's aged to a point where we can go, ah, well, why did you have to do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I'm like, when the scene was on, I'm like, ah, yes, another city, another free, you know, freeing of some people. Then I'm like, yes, let's go. And then it gets to that shot, and I'm like, ah, should I? Well, yeah, and it's just like, ooh. It's nice <laughs> to see so many people of color on screen, but it's like, uh, so you were always capable of doing those sorts of casting calls then? Mm-hmm. You and, know? Uh, why... Why can't I don't know fucking Dario Naharis be a black guy? You know what I'm saying? I like just mm-hmm. these these random people who aren't aren't connected to family. Like it's just a it's a, it's a interesting mm-hmm. choice, and it's something that has gotten better through House of the Dragon, which I really appreciate. Um, but nevertheless, you know. Uh, I did think this season finale was strong. Uh, mm. The Misa moment did not hit the way it once did yeah. uh, for me. <laughs> it was still strong, but it was it, 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 there was these this undeniable thing in the back of my head going, ah, this feels weird. Um, I feel like it would have been my favorite scene on first watch. First watch, no doubt. I remember yeah. being like, "Fuck yes, Daenerys yeah. Targaryen." Yeah, I was I was seventeen and I was a little bit I was a little bit of a Davos you know? now man we're grown Davos up. fucking Seaworth baby, uh, hey, the true unsung hero of this yeah, world. Love me some Davos Seaworth. Uh, but I do believe that leaves us with a rating for mm-hmm. this episode and thereafter a rating for the season, unless we want to give our overall favorites first, or do you want to do ratings for the episode? Rating for the season, favorites of the season, and then go over the favorite numbers. Say, so, well, let's get this episode ranked. Then we give our favorite. Well, what what is, is would it be better to give the ranking after we say our fit? You know, after we get through all of our favorites and then know it, or are we going to be buttered up and give it a better rating because we're talking about all the good stuff of the season? Mm-hmm. So I don't good know. Point. I think. Good point. Um, I say we give. We, I, I say we give the ratings, then we do the favorites, and that's what we'll do. I agree. So, agree. We'll start with this episode. This is a goddamn good one. Funny enough, I don't think I'm left in a place where I'm particularly higher on this than I was last episode or the episode before. Or I, like, it's, this isn't one of my favorite episodes this show ever. It was damn good. It was very well done. Uh, I have no, I have no qualms. Um, but in a in the context of a show that is this fucking good, uh, it's crazy that this one doesn't stand out. You know, I agree. It's, yeah, it it didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really, it felt like a finale, but not like the other finales that we've gotten, mm. I guess. Uh, we, we did check in with everyone, like we went on every location, we had like eight locations or whatever, so like we did get a check in with everyone and get a, it set up, I don't think it's like set up the next season poorly or anything, like no. I'm very, 
the the threat of the walkers is definitely there you know like all all of these things like i'm i'm getting hype but just for the episode by itself i think i don't know i think i'm i'm there like like the previous finales enjoyment wise we've given nine five and nine five for both of them and i I don't know i think i'm like eight five eight seven five like like you know like let's look at the context of the rest of the season as well you know uh if it wasn't a 10, the highest besides that was a 9. We didn't have anything between a 9 and a 10 this season. Um, highest after that was 8.75. You know, I think I think I would go as far as... To, I think I would label this an 8.75. I don't think I yeah, would go all the way up worse. to it, it wasn't like any worse than any episode of the season. No, no. But it is crazy that 8.75 is the lowest of the low. season. <laughs> yeah. If all my college grades looked like that, I'd be very happy. So, right, right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Very um, low for Thrones, but very I think good. we can finally, upon giving this episode a genre rating of 10, decide that for future seasons, we don't need it. Um, yeah. I think we just do the waiting thing. Like we I wait. think so, too. And we might want to reevaluate our previous ratings and go ahead and reevaluate them on that scale. Uh, but at this point, it's going to be hard to say any given episode is not a 10 out of 10 in terms of what they're doing. Uh, genre wise, they don't miss from here on out. Even the show, even season eight, where people are like, ah, this isn't what Thrones once was. It's still more fantastical than it's ever been. Can you tell me a grander show that does what this does any better consistently through the whole show? I don't think that's like this is kind of the standard for this like, is the, the genre standard. standard. This is yeah. yeah, this is the gold standard for this for is this the thing standard. that you go, okay, what's gonna be second best? You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. there's nothing that like I'm of the mind that there will not be a better fantasy TV show than Game of Thrones ever. Um even ever. though it ended in a way that split masses or kind of dominated masses in a negative way. Um it's without it, for, a doubt. For six yeah. fucking seasons, this show was the best show ever. You know what I'm saying? And that's, no one can take that away. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's so strong. So I, uh, I'll forever love this show. And I think it'll be a 10 genre from here until the end of the show, basically. And it has been since what? Season two, episode five. For a season and a half, we've given tens across the board. and. And the rest were nine fives or nine, you know, like they, I mean, they probably could have been tens. It was only just because the, at the show of Game of Thrones hasn't found Mm -hmm. their, like everything yet. Like, but if this was just on a scale of everything else, who knows? No, this, this is, this is a different level. This is a different breed. So I I think I'm down to shifting, starting Mm -hmm. with season four, our rating system to be enjoyment and critical with a weight on the critical side of things. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm okay with that. A two thirds, one third split there. Uh, critically, I will say this was a damn good episode. It was a beautiful episode to look at. It was very well written. Um, I have my qualms there with the, uh, with the ending, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. given the the time it was made, which is funny to say 10 years ago, um, it, it's aged it's aged in a in an awkward way which might be the only thing about this episode that makes me go critically i don't know how well i can evaluate it um 
And even mm. so, I still don't think it would dip below a nine. No. Yeah, it's like it's every other aspect's too good. You know, yeah. it's like there I'd is even... that one at the end that's just kind of a little sting. But, yeah. man, visually was it just gorgeous the whole a gorgeous time. Episode. Gorgeous Checking, episode. Checking, like, Arya. Like, we're, we're getting performances out of characters that we finally, like, we're, we've been wanting through Ramsey mm-hmm. and Arya. You know, we got... Well, and if there's any season finale that I would say is getting me more hype for the next season, I think yeah. this this is the best season finale in that regard. That's uh, very fair. I'm more excited for season four than I was exiting season two into season three or exiting season one into season two. You know what I'm saying? The last finales have been more more of a wrap-up of the season. And then like a tiny little bit of like, all right, here's what's next. We're heading this way. This was basically nothing but... We're launching this 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 direction. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, hmm. Let's see. I'd say I'm like at nine or nine two five. Is kind of where my gut took me. Um, I, I'm gonna go nine, uh, simply because nine two fives that we have there are the Bear and the Maiden Fair, the Climb, which were two insanely good episodes, and uh, I think this was very good. I just don't think it was quite that level. Um, mm-hmm. This puts it more on the same level as the first two episodes of the season in Velardo Hyrus and Dark Wings, Dark Words, which is more of that, like, this is where we're going to get rolling this season. This is what's happening. We're going this direction, you know, and I think that makes sense um, in the grand scheme of things. So I think a nine is a an appropriate rating for this uh, for this episode. And what does that bring it overall? Well, I guess with our old rating system keeping it all there it'd be a nine two five uh, on average um, which ties it with episode one of this season okay overall see is there any other nine two fives in here somewhere overall the season one was a nine two five <laughs> if we want to go there um so this is about on the same level as season one overall this episode right. oh, that's kind of a hard comparison to make but yeah i think I think that's that's about right. I came out of it like, um, I don't know, not like feeling that it was a terrible finale or anything. Like not at all, but just like yeah, I, I just I'm hyped to move on. Like that 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 was the feeling out out of the end. So yeah, it, it was it was the perfect place to leave us after an episode like the Red Wedding. You know, something that was so draining and so. What can we even do after this? Maybe it, it was just like you need to think about the future and not right now. That. Like, like need, that's that's what you know? the show did so perfectly. Is it knew it needed to launch us in a different direction? It was like that ended, but look at what else there it, there still is on the board. And I think that's what this episode did so good. Uh, on IMDb, it was a nine point one out of ten, so we were slightly nicer at a uh, nine point three if you round it up. Uh, but I stand by that. I stand by it. Yeah. Uh, it was a damn. It was a damn good episode, and a damn good season, man. I uh, I don't know that I can tell you honestly that this is, you know, worse than either of the previous two seasons. Do you know what happened with our season two overall rating? What happened there? Oh, I don't know. That's not good. That's not. I. I. I don't think we gave it two zeros. No, we definitely did not. I'm assuming the genre was a ten. Um. Oh well, crap. I guess I can maybe find that in the history, but that yeah, that would be 
we've edited edited this thing quite a lot of times. I don't think we'd be able. Yeah, to don't it. you uh, don't you worry about it. Uh, we'll be able to figure it out at some other point. But regardless, I do think I'm I'm left in a place where this is probably the best season of this show yet. I think that critically, it's better. I think that enjoyment wise, I've got to be I've got to be at that nine seven five. You know, like it's it's that fucking good. Yeah, no, I think we've, like, season two, we were like, all right, they're still kind of finding some stuff, you know, they're still kind of figuring stuff out, but then by the middle of the season, we're like, all right, now we're there. Yeah. This season, we've been there the whole time. We've been there. You know, like, and, and we've we gotten, yeah, and we, we got the Red Wedding, we got the Bear, the Maiden Fair, the Climb, like, this the like I don't know, big moments this season that were, mm. that were really awesome for first watch and rewatch. Um, so no, I've not, not quite a 10. Um, I think we will get there a 10 season uh, yeah. enjoyment wise for sure, but, but not quite there yet. I think next season is going to be our first 10 season. Um, I mean, Joffrey and, dies. So automatically yeah. Joffrey yeah. dies, Tywin dies, Pedro Pascal is in it. Um, like, I'm, oh, okay. Not even more, Joffrey. What more could you look for? Come on. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, critically, hmm. It's a damn good season. Um, I think. Let's see. What do we give season one? A nine? I'm gonna have to elevate on that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine five. Um, I thought yeah. this this season was expertly done. You know, mm -hmm. uh, our low our low points were an eight and an eight point five. Everything beyond that was nine or up. Um, I mean, that's just how good the show is. You know, it's like. Really, we should be – the answer is really in between a 9 and a 10 most of the time. We should really just have the scale from 1 to 10 be in between a 9 and a 10. You know, like, I yeah, don't know. like 9.1 or a 9.9. .9, yeah, it, honestly, it's it, it, kind of what it's, what it's almost getting to. But I, I don't know. I think it's – this is how I feel about the season, though, is that it's it's season 3. It was – Game of Thrones the whole way through and through. No more figuring anything out. We're getting all storylines all over the all over the place. And now they're no no. Now I'm like if I didn't have to wait to start season four, I would be binging the show now. Oh, like right. I would I I would not be taking this week by week anymore if I was on my own. Fuck um, no. So I'd probably yeah, I'd be I'd be finishing the show within a week or two, I'd say. Um after this point. But but man. I like that. A nine, I like seven, that as well. For the season, averaging it out. Um, damn good season, man. It's a damn good show. Like, yeah. uh, it's just been incredible. And that leaves us with our favorites of the season. Let's let's take this one by one. Yeah. Uh, for a character, who do you think, in all told, was your favorite character of season three? The person who's jumping out immediately is Elena Tyrell, just because of how she just came in and just absolutely owns everyone. But I think, like, a character for the season, though, that was my gut. And maybe it's just because I, I, I just, I like every time she's on screen. I don't think there's a single time where she's on screen that is not hilarious and or her just making the other person look like a fool. Um, John's storyline is very interesting to see. Like, it's starting to get interesting, but I don't think I quite go John yet. Right. Um, 
Man, maybe Rob could be. You know, we won't we won't have Rob anymore. Um, we and... won't have Rob anymore. This was the season that he found and fell in love with uh, with Talisa. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that was towards the end of season two, but this is the the entire season he's in love. You know, like that's that's what this season is. Um, something that kind of hurts Rob is how long term his storyline runs. Uh, as far as like the development he saw this season was minute. In fact, this was the decline of Rob Stark this season. Mm. That's you know probably true. Yeah, it's his, like it's his men who are fleeing yeah. aside. They're not down with him that much anymore. Like it's just a. Uh, it, it was kind of everything went the wrong way for Rob this season, even though he did have those, those shining moments of positivity with Talisa, that was it. But there's no leaps in his and Talisa's development this season beyond she's pregnant. Maybe. You know? um, Let's see. What did, where was Danny at the very end of season two? She'd was, just taken Karth. Karth. So her she might have the strong, like, she's got a pretty, checking in very slightly, though, you know, it's, and you check in with her, and it's, boom, another big victory. That's like, big no. about season three, man. As far as, like, where I spread the love, I'm looking at it. I think the only character you could argue is a main character of this show from this season that I picked as a favorite in any episode was Rob Stark. I got Marjorie Tyrell, Olena Tyrell, Padraig Payne. You can make an argument for Varys, Egret, Dario Naharis, and Davos. Yeah, that's yeah. what this this season did so well. Is that like while the first two seasons it was nothing but those major characters were dominating episodes, I, I'm starting to gain love for everybody. The world building in this season just expands it like crazy, and uh, I'm actually. For my season favorite, we were talking about how John had a damn good story. And in the context of a rewatch podcast, John's story expands exponentially beyond this. But the reason it does is because of Egret That's in season, season three. I was getting ready um, to type it. I, I thought so. Um, yeah, I'm going Egret, man. That's uh, That is my favorite character of the season. Mm-hmm. Um. I have little to no doubt there. Samuel Tarley for killing the first White Walker. That's huge. Setting Bran on his pat. And that didn't really... Let's see what else did Sam do. Got Gilly. Got him some Gilly. Sam's a good character this season, man. He's he's uh, he's pushing forward. You know, a few others that I can I could see an argument for. Uh, funny enough, like uh, Bran. I think Bran finally found his path. You know, I think that's... Going. That's like the storyline that I'm the most interested in, but just because of the three eyed Raven stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I think I'm more emotionally invested in, in other storylines though. Um, I, I think my, I'm actually between like Elena is just like my gut and just cause she's just amazing. And I, I do think it would bring light to the season being such a good season of side characters and not mm-hmm. just main characters. Um, Davos possibly. Um, you know, more near the end here that he's, you know, really, but Davos has been Davos all the whole time through and through. Um, and then, um, 
yeah, Tyrion, not real. Yeah, it's not a Tyrion. I think I don't know. Olena was my gut, and I, I I think it just highlights the the fact that a, a random character that doesn't really have a whole lot to do. I don't. I don't. It just doesn't sit right, though, Olena. Like it just it doesn't feel right for me. I get that. Just doesn't feel right. I think I'll go with Daenerys. Like it's it's the actual. Every time we're checking in with her story, I feel good, and I'm like, mm. yes, go on this, you know. Like, and I love to see all the reactions of everyone around her. Um, near the end there, you know, the the one little stinger part, but before that, every other city and every other victory, every I don't know, it, her talking with just the lords of each city, you know, and and her just dealing with it, and and no, not just killing them right away, but you know, doing what needs to be done. Um was very slight and not many check-ins with her, but when we did, you know, it was very big and very impactful. Mm. Uh, and she's going like on quite her. quite the journey. Let's see. I, I did have the map open a little earlier. I mean, she's... This season was, was quite the trek, and she's on her way to Marine now. Next Next episode, she begins her path to Marine. I think she gets there in episode two, season four. Um, so she's like, she's on, she's moving. Um, yeah, she's moving. Oh, she doesn't get there until episode three, Breaker of Chains. So that's when, okay, that makes sense. Um, but no, I think, I think I will go with Daenerys. Olena was my closest one, though, if I would have to say someone who was the closest to getting it. No, I like Um, that choice. I like that choice. Um, but yeah, so Daenerys for you, Egret for me on the season's favorites for characters. How about performance? I've got one funny enough. Numbers would indicate that Michelle Fairley should be my favorite character or my favorite performance of the season. She's the only one who got a repeat choice out of me this season. Uh, Michelle Fairley, the only one who got two performance nods on the, uh, on the season. I'm actually going with someone I didn't pick for a single episode. Oh, I'm going Alfie Allen as Theon Greyjoy. I like um, no, he deserves it. This yeah, yeah. all together. There's a right. consistency there that I know we've been talking about how actors have found their place. You know, they are sinking into that role. Theon's in a place now where he has no opportunity to do that. There is like he is not sunk into the role of Theon. He is dwindling into reek. And it's a uh, it's a wonderful arc to watch him go on as far as a performance side of things. I don't like it. I don't like watching it, but he's goddamn good at it. And like, remember, there's a point early on in the season whenever uh, he's contemplating how he betrayed the Starks and how, you know, my real father lost his head at King's Landing. And I I should have I should have treated him better. You know, like I chose wrong. I made a choice. And like, uh, dang. No, and this I, is a I good should, pick, though. No, I, I... The single choice of the season that I will always adore, and, like, Michelle Farrelly, the the scream she lets out, that guttural scream, that's that's one of the top five most memorable acting choices in all of Game of Thrones. You know what I'm saying? But the most underrated one, I think, from season three is in this episode, whenever Theon is trying not to give way to Reek, and he, he mm-hmm. just goes, please. It's so fucking good. Uh, so I, I'm going Alfie Allen as Theon Greyjoy for my choice for the season. 
I was thinking my gut was a Stark. My gut was either Michelle Fairley or, or Richard Madden. And I'm like, well, Richard Madden had some good scenes, but wasn't as consistent as Michelle Fairley. Yeah, Michelle Fairley. So, so, so that debate, Michelle Fairley wins. And now I'm trying to see if anyone else beats her for me um, performance-wise. And I don't really think so. The only other one might be um, Nicolaj Coster. Coster or Coaster. I always Ooh. feel like I want to say Coaster. That's um, a good fucking idea, man. I think his art, man, wow. I think he might actually be my character, too. Like, well, no, I like his performance way more. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with that. Um, I like that. We so both Nicolai. ended up. Oh no, you did take Nicholas. I, I had him once for, for yeah. one episode. Um, it was whenever he was. I think was yeah. Him taking a bath with Jamie in the yeah. bathhouse, saying like that scene. Um, but him just having to just go through what he goes, you know, like him having to look like death all the time and like just feel like that, and then like, but then they actually like that similar. Yeah. concept uh, here yeah not someone i guess who you'd expect but now that i thought about it, i'm like man yeah the like alfie allen and and nicolaj Coster, Coster waldo waldo i got yeah i gotta just say that a couple times in my brain to get it down but i don't know i really i really took a liking to jamie this season a lot more than i than i previously have um on rewatches and, and i think it was because of him and and i think maybe i'll give him this now because I don't know what happens. I still am blanking on whatever the fuck. So maybe this is one of the last times I'll find him redeemable. Um, yeah, it is for but, me. Um, yeah. He does a lot to help himself later on, but it's just one of those things where you're like, I can't get past that one thing you did that one time. That was bad. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, man, Alfie Allen and Nikolaj Coaster Waldau for the uh, who would have thought performance yeah, would- choice. Wouldn't no, have thought that. didn't see that coming. In fact, I did, it didn't occur to me to pick Alfie Allen until just now. I literally was like, you know what? Thinking back, I think that's him. I think that's the choice. Uh, for scene, feels kind of moot to go with anything other than the Red Wedding uh, as far as a favorite scene of the season. Just, I don't love it, but goddamn, that makes me feel things, all sorts of things. Is there um, any other scene that even comes close to it this season? As far as like what makes me happy, yeah. Um, when John and Egret fuck, I love that scene. I love that scene. Um, Podrick, Podrick, Podrick yes. character. Oh no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sex god Pod. But no, I think Podrick. I think the red wedding is kind of the only. The only scene I was trying to think of of another thing or like a sleeper pick or something that I couldn't really think of, but like there's a reason we talk about this episode the way we do. There's a reason it's still affecting people today. There's a reason people are still filming their friends watch it for the first time. You know, like this is a a monumental episode for the show. Um, so yeah, I think I'll just put no again because that's what I put last <laughs> time. Uh, but I'll put it in parentheses to have it be known. But uh, but yeah. Oh, I, I have to agree there. Um, feels feels impossible to go with anything else. And line-wise, I'm doing what I did in the previous season and going with one that I didn't pick for any given episode. Um, and I'm going with Ramsey's. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Okay. It's a damn good I, line. No, I didn't think about it. 
I was just thinking Hodor for the funny. Uh, yeah, Hodor. But no, we got a counter over there. That's 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 too cheap. We do get the you know nothing, Jon Snow. We uh, know nothing. Oh, that was my season two line. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. No. So I guess that was the first was back then. But we get the we get the response to it though. I do know some things. That's true. I know yeah. I love you. Uh, not quite hitting. Let's see. I'm trying to think of other big lines that happened. Uh, if it's a boy, I know what we should name him. Edard. Don't you think the father should have? Oh, okay. Yeah, never. You know, yeah, you're okay. You're right. I love you. And yeah, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Monumental line that ends up being really applicable to the whole season. I've seen wet shits I like better than Walter Frey. Ooh, blackfish. Let's see. Yeah, what other blackfish lines did I have? The laws of my fist are about to compel your teeth. I remember that one. That was a good one. Kylie, um, I forbid you to die. You hear me? Oh, that's a goodie. I want to fight for the side that fights for the living, Jon Snow. That's a good That's pretty Kind of sums up the season as oh. far as what direction the show seems to be taking. I like having a Jon nod somewhere. Because not, not quite character, but every line that he says and every person that he's meeting, everything that he's doing now is, is making him the person that he will eventually get into. So I, I do like that. I um, like that as well. I like that like, as well. And with that, we have all our favorites for the season knocked out, and we have brand new numbers, new stats for the most favorites. And this time, I'm only going to give a little top five for everybody. Uh, so far on the show, we've had 60 options. There have been 60 choices over 30 episodes because me and Joseph each get a choice. Um, so you times 30 by two, and that's that. Uh we each pick a character, we each pick a performance every episode, and here end up being the top five in each regard after three seasons. Despite not getting a single character nod for any episode in season three, Tyrion Lannister still tops the list at eight character nods, which is insane that he could go a whole season without getting one and still top the list. Uh, Daenerys still gets second there, and if I'm not mistaken... Okay, she got two she got two from you this season, but that was it. Mm-hmm. So she she elevated slightly. Uh at third, Rob Stark and Ned Stark are tied at five. Forever tied at five, which is kind of poetic. Uh, there's no well, we could give young Ned Stark when he comes back in the flashback. We could. could. You we could. could. It probably won't happen. Probably not. Uh, maybe. That's maybe Actually, it is still Ned and Ned doing that. And I don't know well, I mean, like what he's doing. That's pretty monumental. That might, there might be a chance for Ned to advance a little bit. Uh, it wasn't quite as on, you know, I don't, okay. Maybe Ned does get the one up on Rob eventually, but maybe, maybe is there a we'll chance see. for Rob ever? No, there's not. That's it. That's it for so. Rob. Um, yeah. Tied for fourth are Jon Snow and Egret at four, which is another kind of poetic one there. Uh, and then tied at five with three leaves us all of Varys, the Hound, and Olena Tyrell. So that's the top five. Kind of crazy to see Tyrion, Daenerys, Rob and Ned, Jon and Egret, and then the the the, the five spots the one that gets me: Varys, the Hound, and Olena Tyrell. That's an, that's amazing. Uh, why not that's the show for you you know it's like 
you can and that's I think maybe that's why it is so good is that like a lot of people that they don't think that they like the show whatsoever, but then they start watching it and they're like, Oh, I really like this one character. And some it's most of the time it's more than one character, but there's just so many characters to choose from that there's bound to have someone in there you like, you know? Um Yeah, no but shit. I, like Elena made the top five, so you know. Elena makes the top five. She earned it. I like okay, at uh, least at least she's getting that. But yeah, and then uh, performance-wise, top one lies with Amelia Clark. She has eight performance nods from us two out of 60. Um, tied for second are Michelle Farrelly with seven and Peter Dinklage with seven. Catelyn Stark and Tyrion Lannister tied there. Tied or At third is Lena Headey as Cersei Lannister with six. Mm-hmm. At four, Sean Bean as Ned Stark at five. And tied, or is it tied? Yes, tied for fifth are Nikolaj Kosterwaldau with three and Richard Madden with three. So, good, wow. good slates of top five there. And it's been another wonderful season here on Winter is Blooming. If you would, head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content and a whole bunch of written content over there. I've gotten into writing again, and it's been so much fun. Uh, For $3 a month, you can support this podcast over there, and you can get a bunch of movie reviews, book reviews, comic book reviews, and the like. Uh, That's patreon.com slash pennybloompod. If you would, head to Twitter, follow at pennybloompod, follow on Instagram at pennybloompodcast. We will be back next week for season four. Uh, we're booking it through this rewatch, and uh, season four begins next week. I am so excited. Uh, we are taking a pause on our comic book movie journey through film. Uh, we finished season one of it, if you will. It was uh, 20 films, Batman 66 through Spider-Man 2. And we are going to be starting our director's spotlight this week for uh, four weeks for the next month. Two times a week. A Wes Anderson film. Uh, Wednesday, that begins with The Royal Tenenbaums, and Friday, it continues with The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. So I'm very excited for that to get back into cinema at large beyond comic book movies, and Wes Anderson is a damn good place to start. Um, With that, I was Colton Robertson, and I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And I've seen wet shits I like better than Walter Frey.